0: Episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 182 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, April the 29th, 2023, and my name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everybody who joined for our three year anniversary episode two weeks ago, everyone who joined last night for the expo recap. Tons of fun on those episodes. Also want to let you know tomorrow night, 9.30 p.m. Eastern, myself and Josh Madigan of the Hockey Cards Gong Show will be covering the PWCC Hockey Weekly Auction as we have been for the past 11 or 12 weeks. And also next Saturday, no episode, I will be at the Edmonton Expo. Hopefully we'll capture a little bit of content from there to share with everybody when I get back. I'd like to ask you all to join over 300,000 people who have already downloaded the Center Stage app across both iOS and Android for quick comps and card management features. Their app is the fastest and most accurate at card shows or at home to help you price your cards, build, organize, and share your collection with your friends, and find other collectors to follow using their their new social sharing features. They have some exciting new partnerships coming soon. Please stay tuned and join me in supporting the great team they have there and the innovation they are undertaking, and also... Our other sponsor, use protection, practice safe swaps. Veriswap is an app and middleman service that lets you securely trade cards through the mail. Each transaction up to a million dollars in value is fully insured by their guarantee. In order to use Veriswap, simply upload your inventory, make trade, partial trade, or full cash offers and negotiate with the thousands of traders already on their platform. Check them out on iOS and Android and as part of a special offer, Your first trade on Veriswap is only $1. There's a referral link in the video description for your convenience. Thank you to both Center Stage App and Veriswap for their support of Sports Cards Live. Also, be sure to check out HobbyNewsDaily.com for a daily dose of hobby news and entertaining content. It is a collaboration of various content creators, original writers, and just launched on April 1st of this year. Also, shout out Leighton Sheldon from Just Collect and Vintage Breaks. He'll be joining us shortly for the Vintage Spotlight segment. And thanks again, as always, to all of you loyal viewers and listeners. If you are not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, not yet following on Spotify, please take a moment and do so. Let's get to tonight's show, tonight's guest. He started in the hobby when he was seven years old, when him and his brother were collecting X-Men and Marvel cards because Baltimore, as he says, didn't have any good teams or even an NFL team yet at that time. He was a collector who needed to complete every set he started. In 2019, he went into a break, had the Mavericks, hit a Luka, and was ecstatic. In November 2020, he started Show Your Slabs. His favorite team is the Baltimore Ravens. His favorite athletes are Ray Lewis and Cal Ripken Jr. He is originally from and currently hailing from Baltimore, Maryland. Let's bring him out. Corey Fick, welcome to Sports
1: Cards Live. How you doing, bud? What's up, Jeremy? Thanks for having me. I want to amend the Cal Ripken and put Lamar in place now that he's signed back with the Ravens. Got it. All right. Or Just add Lamar. Let's add him. Let's add him. I'm sure. sure. So yeah, you can't take Cal Ripken out of there. No, we can keep Cal in. We can keep Cal in, but Ray Schulte did tell me some stories about Cal that are more interesting. So (laughs) we'll keep that for another day.
0: I also want to say to everybody, uh, you know, I realize that there's two big hockey games going on. Like right now, the Leafs and Tampa are like, they just started overtime. I was hoping, I was watching the third period, Corey. I'm like, oh, at least we'll see it end and then we'll go live and I'll just have to track the Yeah, the Oilers- I was Kings watching it game. too. Yeah, but it's in overtime. So that's going on right now. The Oilers and the Kings are starting in about 10 minutes. So to the chat. Please keep us informed of the score as it happens. I do have my phone here. I'm going to be watching the Sportsnet app. And Toronto won in overtime. Yes.
1: Okay. Toronto great. won
0: an overtime. I see it right there. Okay. That's great. Let's go. As they say, the goal scored by Jonathan Tavares, who is the captain. Very nice and fitting. Okay. They knocked out Tampa. And to Amanda, if you're watching, sorry for you. I Know you're a big Tampa fan. Same goes for all of our Tampa fan, uh fan friends out there. Heart goes out, but I'm glad that the Leafs took the series. All right, but we still need to keep we still need you to keep us up to date on the Euler game as goals come in. Corey, you got something
1: yeah, not as important. I just want to say congrats to Toronto. I'm a Toronto fan strictly because of the card show and how great it is and how nice the people are up there. So No offense to Tampa, they have a couple good shows, but I I was, when we were in Toronto at the Expo, I mean, you could hear, like, we weren't even in, like, downtown, and just the whole city, like, the vibe was just, it it almost hinged, I I was talking to Steve Menzi, and he's like, my God, if they would have gotten smoked last night, like, it just brings the whole vibe down. You know, yeah. everything everyone's doing is just completely altered by, you know, the sports team.
0: 100%. The, the Leafs in Toronto are like a religion, but where everyone in the city practices the same religion, which we know is not the case when it comes to actual religion. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we got lots to talk about, but let's say hello. We got a lot of people joined us already. Sylvain in the house. Lashwine. Good to see you. Jake Dahl. Perk is here. Vintage card collector. Super 25. What's going on? Vintage says, "Are ask me, are you still doing collectible live?" I am not. Uh, my 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 deal with collectible ended at the end of March, and uh, I am no longer doing collectible. But he live. still has uh, a deal
1: with PWCC,
0: so nobody asks.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Maybe that's how we shove it in. That's that's
0: how that's how we shove it in. Yeah. I am still I am still working with PWCC. They apparently let go uh, at least thirty people yesterday. Is my understanding? Yesterday or the day before? Now was that yeah. yesterday? It got time. No, I think it was like two days ago.
1: Two
0: days ago. Two days ago. But um, as far as I know, uh, I haven't heard anything. They haven't reached out to me to let me know anything about that. So um, I'm going to do my weekly hockey card weekly auction tomorrow with uh, with Josh Madigan, and um, I'm going to reach out to PWCC and have a conversation and kind of find out what's going on over there for myself, and uh, probably mutually that you know their group and my and myself will decide if we're gonna to continue to uh if I'm gonna to continue to cover their auctions, which I, I really enjoy doing. I've been doing it for two years now. It's it's a ton of fun. So but uh but we'll see. We'll we'll have to we'll have to see what's going so you on. Mean you're fun. gonna
1: you're you're gonna look up before you yell the sky is falling. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk I'm gonna I'm gonna right, find gonna out look, you're myself. Gonna get, yeah you're gonna find out before you just Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: going to have some good conversations. <laughs> I mean, listen, yeah. I, I've got friends uh among the 30 to however many that got let go. So you know, that doesn't make me smile, but you know, decisions are made for reasons that they're made. And uh before I make any decision, I'm going to do my own due diligence on the situation and, and talk to uh, the people over there. So we'll see. Stay tuned. If uh stay tuned, 90s hockey collector, good evening to you. Super25 says, Been using the Center Stage app. It's great, shockingly accurate, and consistent. Great to hear, Super25. What is on, Mike? What is up, Michael Stone, Jeff McMahon? Michael Stone, is there a catch with using Center Stage with Android? Can't find the app. Uh, It should be there. Center Stage app to uh, center and stage are two words. What is going on? What is going on, Mike from Eastridge? Good to see you. Bobby Burrell in the house. Here we go. Leafs just won. Leafs win. Toronto, wow. Hello, MLW. Fishing, what's happening? The hobby with Cage, Cage Lawyer. The Cage Lawyer's recently single, by the way. He's hobby single, I should say. He is hobby single. Yes,
1: hobby single and poor because of uh, cashnado. That's a whole other story in Vegas.
0: Oh, okay. that's um, that guy about a slot
1: machines. Yeah.
0: Got it. it. Is, okay. So. I figured there had to be something there. What is going on, Eric? Good to see you. He says, Glad to finally see Corey on the show. Clay Phillips, what's going on? Show your slabs, Cassie. I recognize uh, I recognize my, Cassie yeah, from
1: shows for sure. My wife. Yep. Oh, that's your wife. That's my wife. Yeah. Claire is my cousin. Claire. I was, Cassie yep. is my wife. Yep. Two blondes. Thinking, Look, I'm, I'm not living too bad. I was thinking. I was thinking. Claire, Cassie,
0: welcome to the show. Good to see you. And Perk says, "I've been meaning to ask Corey this for almost a year. My hobbying fuels my top fifty PC. How much for a custom wall mount that can hold fifty of both standard size? Oh, perfect. I
1: and can have- work and do the show. So hold on. Let me grab, pull up my uh, little quote book, and we'll we'll just knock this out." right <laughs> be a grab
0: lot order, easier yeah. grab an order form and a uh, perk will just fill it out over yeah right, right here.
1: jeremy will get use a uh, code uh sports card live and get
0: 10 percent off right and by the way for everybody watching Corey, if you don't know and I, i'm guessing uh we've got about 50 people in the room right now i'm guessing you know at least 48 of you know about cory and show your slabs but if you don't uh that that nameplate right there that's a dale howard check that's nine cards out of upper decks the cup each is a one-on-one spelling out Dale, the name, the last name Howard Check. That is a display that Corey sent to me that has been sitting above my that closet uh for for quite some time. That's why I used so. to bribe
1: him to get on the show. He had to bribe me to get on the show, and then I made him wait how long? A long time. I really thought I should have sent you two displays in retrospect because I maybe could have cut that time in half, but <laughs> Well,
0: we got you on, Corey. Yep. We got you on for sure. For sure. Darcy in the house. What's going on, Dars? Darcy's going to be my booth mate at uh the Edmonton Expo next weekend. Good to see you, Dars. And Perk is willing to take you up on that discount, Corey. So there yep. you go. They're, they're, well, hey, where you. do people from. where do people go to uh to see her? Let's get this out of the way right now. Is yeah. it showyourslabs.com?
1: Yep, it's showyourslabs.com. Um, that's gonna have mainly all of our our stock items the you know nine card 25 card where you customize the label all the stuff we have stock and then there's a custom request little uh google form that you fill out to because look everyone's got you know nine cards that spell have a chuck on it i mean you know that not not normal right howard chuck yeah that i can't say it right it's too long so but you I get requests for like, oh, I would need a display for 49 and a half cards. And I'm like, well, where'd the half come from? But nobody's ever, you know, so you can only make, but anyway, go to showyourslabs.com. It's got all the standard stuff on there. But anything you see there, anything you can take a picture of, we can put it on your wall.
0: So you did actually send me two displays. You also sent me this one, which I, yep. I put in uh, I got I was and it's great. It fits the tag slab. So I got 12. Of my tag slabs in Man, here. Those look good. Yeah, all the different colors looks really nice. Really co- nice. I
1: love seeing, that's one of the, and it, not even for me, just anybody that displays their stuff. Any, anything that's that, like, refractor, like, um, I got a tag Genesis Lamar. When you, that light that, like, just makes it, it looks like a completely different display, one side to the other.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And these slabs are all in... Like slab, uh, like you know, the, the they're in these guys right here. Actually, these are these are called uh Defend Pro. This isn't this is a, a new sleeve. Yeah, I have seen that, that one. No, they're new. They approached me at the expo last weekend and gave me the sample, t- uh, two sample bags one, one you know, made for PSA, one made for Beckett. And the PSA size works perfectly for the tag slabs or very close to perfect for the tag slabs. So that's what I use. But these are these are actually as good if not better than any competing product i've seen out there just in terms of the the clarity and the
1: fit like
0: it's like they're i so honestly physical. that's
1: surprising because i know i normally tell people don't put them in the bags when you put them in a the display because again the reason you put them in a bag is because you don't want it to get scratched and unless somebody's throwing something at your wall you shouldn't get them scratched when they're up on the wall but um they, I didn't even realize they were in them to be honest so that's kind of an endorsement there yeah yeah
0: they that was this bag preci- they're called defend pro precise fit graded card sleeves i it's a canadian company you know i was met them at the toronto expo they were set up with with dollies the guy's name was uh, was chris and he yeah he gave me the samples so here we go we're spreading this kind of information yeah yeah, yeah. But I really like them. I really like them as as a as a solution for you know keeping your slabs nice and scratch free. Hockey barn says that the the Toronto's gonna plan a, a parade now for getting into the second round. That hasn't happened in a while. I, they they kind of should. They have something to celebrate right now. Foul a five ball in the house. We got baseball card curmudgeon. We that was Jeremy. That is Baz. We got Frank Estella. LGC in the house. Says you sold you sold an or eight no regrets congrats he's referring to the fact that I did sell one of my one of my best cards at the expo last weekend I had a PSA eight Bobby Orr and uh I did sell it I did you sell got a it. lot of
1: loonies and toonies though I I big bag of loonies and
0: toonies you're right Corey and I was gonna, when when Leighton comes on I wanted to talk to him about it because I traded it away only because I have this copy that I like more and it's a lower grade so. Um, but we'll wait for Layton to come on. I want to get his opinion on that move, which I'm sure he'll, he, he, I don't want to say I'm sure, but I have to think he might think I made the wrong move. Cause I gave, you know, gave up the higher grade to keep the lower grade, but I also got something in return for that. So, yeah,
1: uh, I hope you bring uh, that part up. You have to bring the number up, but I mean, that's the main, yeah. you know,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh Lash Wine says, I've got one of those too. He's talking about the, the defend pro sleeves and vintage card collector. Let us, lets us know that McDavid just scored And if you think about it, the Oilers are up 3-2 to in the series, and McDavid hasn't even really woken up yet in the series. Maybe tonight is the night, and they can end it and finish off the LA Kings in four games. We'll see what happens.
1: All right. Anything else, Random, before we uh, we jump? Real quick, is McDavid – and I don't – pardon me, I'm not a hockey guy. I just kind of watch. And my dad actually played college hockey, so I know how to skate. And I know, you know, kind of got into it, not hockey, but skating young. Is McDavid the guy that everyone, you know, comparative to? Is he living up to all the hype? Is he? Is he? Oh, yeah. Is he LeBron or is he like Luca? Oh no, he. Well, he's uh, he kind of.
0: So I mean, LeBron came into start in two thousand three, obviously. Uh, McDavid didn't start till twenty fifteen, and Luca twenty eighteen, I think. So it's hard to make that comparison. But I will say, I would consider him to be. Uh, you know, LeBron has some championships. McDavid doesn't. He needs them. It's tough. It's it's a tough comparison to
1: make. But no, he's... it is. I. But if you're saying closer to LeBron, because if you think about LeBron, I mean, you know, obviously history doesn't get remembered. But I remember when they were showing pictures of a kid with a Hummer, like that had to live up to this giant expectation and actually lived up to it. Like, yeah, he had... or not, yeah.
0: He's lived up. He came up with with great expectation. He has definitely lived. He's clearly, like by far the the best player in the world today. It, it's not and even. That's all. That, yeah, it yeah. Really, it's not even that close. Is LeBron LeBron in his prime was likely clearly the best player on the court? You know so. Yep. I think it's I think it's uh I think it's fair to say that he's lived up to the expectation. It's a card knock life says McDavid is above and beyond the type and the best is yet to come. I mean, he's still young, you know, he's, he's what is he 25 years old, something like that. So he's got uh, he's got he's got 10 solid years uh, still left in the tank, I would say. And um, they seem, you know, I like they they made a you need a whole team to win the Stanley Cup. You know, this is a it's a team sport and. They made a, they did a nice trade at the trade deadline where they picked up uh, Matthias Ekholm, a defenseman who's a, a really, a, he's a got, he's got a great shot, a great power play quarterback kind of guy. I think that was a, a transitional move for them. And they've got some of these other guys like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Zach Hyman, who are really stepping up and playing at, at their top level. So I think the Leafs are looking good or sorry, the Oilers are looking good right now. We'll see. It's early on in the night, but uh We'll see what happens. Reed in the house says the Leafs actually did it. Yes, they did. And he goes on to say McDavid and Drysital in the playoffs somehow have another level. Yeah, and uh, Drysital is you know a guy that could be the best player in the league if not for Connor, and he's overshadowed playing right with Connor McDavid. So,
1: and Bedard's the next one.
0: Bedard is 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 touted to be the next Connor McDavid. Yeah, it's okay. going to be a Connor versus Connor era. Connor Bedard versus Connor McDavid. We'll see where he ends up. Peace. Yeah, lots, lots of Connors, lots of Connors. So, I first met you, Corey. I feel like I knew you from maybe just Instagram and all that, but I met you at the 2021 National. Felt like I knew you when I saw you there. Um, that goes back were two, two years. It feels like longer actually, but I think yeah. that's when it was right. I was gonna say I
1: think that you were. I think there was a expo before that that maybe you got sick. Yeah, or you couldn't come, and and we had cool. talked on you know either clubhouse, wherever it was, we you know had but that was that was last
0: uh last May, so that's only a year ago. I, I'd met you okay. the, I'd met yeah. the, the July before at, yep. in uh, Chicago, at Chicago National, yep. that's right. And uh, and now, I mean, you know, there's lots there's, there's lots of talk about clubhouse. <laughs> there has been recently a lot of talk about clubhouse, but I've spent some time on there in the last couple of years, as have you, so. You know, I feel like I know you pretty well. You come up to the Toronto Expos. I've seen you at the last two. Uh, Definitely, we definitely travel in some of the same circles. So it's nice to finally get you on the show. Let's learn a bit more about you, though. You started to show your slabs. What were you doing in the hobby um, and generally in life, you know, before you started to show your slabs from, you know, I don't know, even start 2010 through the present, something like that.
1: Yeah. So um, kind of to back it up like you said in the intro i started collecting and and like every kid was a collector of everything from and you know highlighted marvel and x-men stuff like that just because unfortunately we didn't have great teams so there wasn't a huge baseball card but always baseball cards too honestly the baseball cards probably ended up in my bike spokes to make a sound like a motorcycle um but you know and then everything to me was always it was very I had to finalize every collection and it's, you know, it went from pogs to beanie babies, to the McDonald's toys that were exclusive. And um, so the collecting bug has always been there. My mom has it and she's probably one of my biggest catalysts where we would be sneaking stuff in the back door. So my dad didn't see it, um, you know, routinely, but, Um, so fast forward, you know, obviously, like everyone else, you go through school and come out. And I was always somebody that never was afraid to work. Um, and not that people are afraid to, but always thought that you work hard, you get what you put in, you know, nobody's going to do it for you. Um, had you know, as a little kid, had snowball or means uh, snow shoveling was like you couldn't, I mean, I would just work myself to the bone and. Um, usually have like four or five kids running a whole, I mean, we would make a couple thousand dollars as young kids, like, because we would just hit every, you know, thing. So I got bit early by the entrepreneurial thing. And also I was terrible at school. I just couldn't like focus. Matt, like the testing and stuff was just never my thing. So, um, and then coming out of high school, I was working for my uncle's law firm And I started, it it was working in the summer in these storage lockers. It was 100 and some degrees, and I had to keep all the files in order, seven to 10 storage lockers full of files. I thought, like, this is the biggest, like, this is impossible. There's got to be a better way to do this. Um, So it was probably, I was about 21 Um, And for other reasons, I needed to start my own business. A buddy of mine had just got injured and I was spending time going back and forth from the hospital. So it wasn't, there was no, I had to figure out a way to work my own hours. And, you know, whether it was 12 at night to two in the morning and go to the hospital during the day. So I started a document scanning company and my uncle was my first customer. I, you know, invested a lot into a heavy duty scanner, spent, you know, researching and figuring out okay how do we take all these documents digital um and it was a hit I mean I mean as far as it was it was an it was a need right and I'm able to fill a need and kind of work my own hours I can scan whenever I wanted to um and really that business was started too for the buddy I was visiting in the hospital was a um Iraq he was wounded in Iraq lost both legs and an IED in 06 um And we've been best friends since fifth grade. So I wanted to start something really for him to get out of the hospital. I didn't know if he would live or die at the initial point. But once I started seeing him come out, I wanted him to have something where, you know, maybe he could do it. And we could go after government contracts. And, you know, in the States, government contracting, stuff like that's a big, big deal. Um, As it turns out, the government pays you more money to stay home and do nothing then they you know they they take away stuff when you start making money. So anyway, I ran that up till to get the sports cards. I was watching breaks online on Facebook and it was probably 8 months to a year before covid because the, the funny thing is like covid was the gas on the on the already burning fire. But the sports card market was on a major up Tick. like the trajectory was crazy because I was seeing these card prices and the box prices. You know, I think the three team it was a three-team break, random team. I got the Mavericks. Um it was a hundred bucks. And that spot today is I don't know five, six hundred. I mean, if you multiply it over. Um and that's not even the peak. But so I hit the Luca and The funny thing was I got into it because I like, you know, I like the gambling aspect of it. And I thought, oh, a nice way to kind of make a little bit of extra money on the side. And I am interested in sport, you know, collecting part of it. So I've already graded this thing a 10. Like I've only seen it through my iPhone, but I've never graded a card before. But, you know, it's already a 10 in my head. So I turned $100 into at the time was $1,700 was the base Luca was going for. Um, got that card in about 10 other cards that I sent out for grading and I got them in my hand and I thought I wouldn't sell these for $5,000. I didn't care. Like I, it, it was right when Luca was in the playoffs and he hit that game winner and I'm watching it and I'm holding the card and I'm like, Oh my God, this is amazing. Like it was just that rush of, you know, and all the while I have a, you know, now six year old. And he's kind of finding his way into it with whether it's Pokemon or whatever, um, and that kind of led me into the the displaying of it. Now, one thing I'll tell you is about me, and if Cassie's still in here, if she can probably she'll give a thumbs up to this. Nine and a half times out of ten, I always try to do it myself, and nine and a half times out of ten, it's an epic failure or a giant waste of time or like i'll change my oil to prove that i can change my own oil and it's the winter and i'm covered in oil and i save five bucks and i'm like okay was, like i should have just went to jiffy Loop. um but this was that 0.5 or even less that was like there really isn't anything out there you know as far as like displaying cards yeah there's cabinets that look like they come from ikea and Um, And just looking at the whole landscape of the hobby, you can look at a show and realize that nobody's taken any. Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot of unfinished product or projects at the uh, the household, but we'll get (laughs) we'll get to those. Um, So, yeah, I, I honestly I just was like, man, I'd love to have. And one thing I did, one thing I thought was like, because one of our big models is is the nine cards that look like a PSA slab it's similar to this, but has cards here. Um, and I thought, man, it'd be cool to have my own slab. And unfortunately I'm too out of shape. I'll never be a professional sports athlete. I have a big hat, but I don't wear it enough to get on a card. (laughs) Um, so I'm not going to have my own card. So I thought, well, my collection is representative of me, right? So let's take that design and kind of blow it up and, and there there was our first display and and then it was just kind of off to the races all right well that uh that that does take
0: us through to uh to where it is now a uh, really quick 902 says the Leafs advance what kind of universe paradox did I wake up in because that was not expected to happen we also find out that the LA Kings have tied it up with uh with the Oilers um all right so I mean I got a lot a lot of stuff down and I wanted to I don't know if you just really mentioned it there, but I was going to ask you like when you started to show your slabs, what was the, what was the real aha moment that you're like, I'm going to start this? Was it just the fact that you, as you just said, you wanted your own slab. So, or, you know, you thought you'd like to have something that was similar to your own slab. So I'll make a display case. And what was there a particular moment when you realized that all these display cases are really just Ikea's or when did the light bulb
1: really go off for you? What was that moment? It was probably um so I again I and I ran a business beforehand. So it's not all all is like, oh, I just want to make a cool display case and somebody came to me and said, I'll buy that from you for two hundred dollars. And like it wasn't that kind of thing. It was wow, I'm watching the card market go up. I'm trying to, you know, see where everything's going. And really I, I'm very good at fulfilling like niche problems, like just like the document scanning. My uncle would have had no idea about this if I didn't bring it to him. So I'm very good at like solving the problem and bringing it to the person who has the problem. And then kind of a totally different deal in the fact that it's a consumer product. So then, you know, again, if you walk through life going, man, I wish I would have thought of that. Man, I wish I would have thought of that then you think of it. And then you're like, Oh crap, don't screw this up. Like there's, that's just where it begins. Like, you know, and you can either a lot of things go nowhere and and things can go somewhere. But I, I really saw this as like watching everyone, everything in the hobby go up and watching kind of all these, you know, these tech companies and all this stuff. And that's all great. And like, I get it, but like, at the end of the day, the collector's a collector and like, they don't want their cards vaulted. Like, yeah, they're, gonna. I guess there are that section and that's fine. There's a section that has, you know, cards that are, that I'll never get to put on the wall because they never leave a bank vault. That's fine. I'm not really concerned about those guys. I'm concerned about the guy that has a collection that he wants his buddies to enjoy when they're down drinking beers and doesn't have to sit next to them and, you know, pull out, no offense, their Zion case, because they're fantastic for traveling and taking your slabs everywhere else. Shout out to Clint. But, like, I just know my buddies, if they're not into cards, and I'm trying to get them into cards, if I sat next to them with a box of cards and tried to go, look, this is, I tell you, this is worth this much, they would probably slap the card out of my hand and tell me to beat it. So, it was more of that kind of, like, how a card collector can express himself in a cool way and then also you know build a real business i i didn't really see it going to and i didn't really understand the amount of the you know where this thing can go until i got into it um and just saw like you know there's many verticals past just a simple display right
0: yeah makes good sense uh I like how you, I like, I like how you're, you know, you're really focused on the collector and the collector who wants to look at their cards. You have your friends over and now they're sitting up on a wall. They're not in a, in a box or, or even worse pictures on your phone that you got to show them, which, you know, we tend to do when we're not with our cards, yeah. which is often, but uh, I I like that. I like that idea. Okay. Quick. Hello to Colin Murray. Good to see you, buddy. Now let's bring on Leighton Sheldon because we're going to do the vintage spotlight segment here. And uh, I got a. I want to. I'm going to ask him the question that I sort of touched on before. Layton, ha- how are you? First of all, welcome back to the show. Nice to see you.
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm well. Appreciate it. Um, thanks for having me. What's going on, Corey? How are you?
1: How's it going, Layton? Good. To, good to see you. We got to uh, talk. I was talking with Zablo about I, you got a nice store in New York.
2: Yeah, well, just outside the city, uh, but yeah, close enough.
1: Awesome.
0: So Leighton, uh, first of all, what, the question that I wanted to, or what I want to let you know, and, and just get your thoughts on it. And of course, there's really only, well, there's not only one right answer, but this affects me personally, or something that I did. Last weekend, I wanted to tell you what I did last weekend at the at the Sport Card Expo in Toronto. I told the audience here, uh, early, you know, about- I feel like he's your minutes. priest. What's that?
1: I feel like he's your priest, and you're about to confess
0: something. I'm confessing. <laughs> I, as, as I had said, as I had said, I've- publicly i feel like i lost a, a piece of my hobby soul clayton because yeah. i i i moved out i moved out a card that i had owned for 15 or 16 years and it was a oh. card that really formed a part of my my hobby i'm calling it my hobby soul i don't know what else to call it uh because it was my psa 8 bobby or rookie card 1966 tops and it was my best card for many many years, and, and so you sold that at the expo, yeah. Oh my
2: goodness, I wish I would have seen it.
0: I so well. So let me tell you very quick. I on. Oh, no, what, what would Layton
2: Layton, what would you have paid for it? I have to see the card. Uh <laughs> you know, I'm oh, I want to see the centering. But I mean, I have to tell you, Jeremy, that's a big deal. It's
0: so well, see, that's why it's a big deal. You're right. I'd owned it. Leighton, you you know what it's like, it, it's like it's not a, it's not a T206 Honus Wagner, but pretend you own a T206 Honus Wagner. It, might, it for, might as well be Jeremy well that it's that level of importance for the hockey card world at least it's it's yeah. and I felt it, it was an aid it was one of the 45 or so nicest copies in the world or at least highest graded True. it was it it was a below average eight. The buyer upon inspecting it, PSA,
2: said it out loud. Or PSA or SGC
0: PSA. It was a below average eight. It was, I mean, I bought, I bought it in tw- thousand seven or eight. Uh, yep. At, yep. So it's an older slab. I never had it reslab. But late the reason why I why I was willing to sell it was because I have other copies of it, and my and I have this copy here, which is a it's actually a five point five. But I like it better. It has the defects on the eight were more of an aesthetic penalty against aesthetics for me than those on this five and a half. So that's what I did. And I guess what I wanted to bring up with you tonight is, is like, I don't know if this is a trend (laughs) or what, but I, I was willing to let it go because I have a copy that I like better, even though it's a lower grade. And I like looking, I like the looks of my five and a half, believe it or not better than the, the eight, the centering wasn't as good. It had some, it had a little bit of, uh, I don't know if you'd call it fading or something on the surface, like right, right up in the in the wood grain at the top here. Corners were perfect, edges were perfect, uh, and it you know it had a little bit of a centering issue. This copy is just I think better centered, doesn't have any of that fading up there. The eight also had superior color, so all despite all that, I'm like you know what, I'm willing to move the card out. I'm gonna have this. I'm gonna be just as happy. With. So I don't have any seller's remorse. But I do feel like I lost a bit of my hobby soul. And
1: I think I'll get over that. But what? Do you, just what do you think of that? What do you think can of you all that? you tell him how many Hail Marys and uh, Our Fathers he's got to do so we can?
2: Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's something like that. I'll give him a little recipe so how he can, you know, uh,
1: just, can, you know, move on.
2: Um, so, Jeremy, the first thing uh, I want to say is congratulations. Because if you sold the eight. A- and, you know, you got fair money for it, even if it was a little bit, as you said, maybe not the strongest eight, and you have a copy that you like. To me, that's a hobby win. not saying business, just a hobby win. But, and I know Corey, I, I was listening to him for a few minutes, and I, I clearly, a hobbyist at heart who started, you know, something very entrepreneurial, thing is really uh, super cool. Um, and so I'd ask both of you the same question, whether it be a Bobby Orkhart or somebody else. Because the truth is, I think I know you at least well enough, Jeremy, so far, that if you had unlimited funds, you would not have sold the eight. You probably would have kept the eight. You would have kept the five and a half. And I could also see you being on the prowl for a nine. So the reason why I bring it up is because I feel like very much it just teaches you about life. Right. You can't have it all. So you've determined to find the beauty and your diamond, that's a five and a half. And even though there's a higher graded diamond, which you're well aware of, someone else is going to enjoy that higher graded diamond while you sit there and enjoy still a wonderful diamond. Um, and that's the way that I would look at it. But I know for me, forget about an individual card. And I bought something really cool the other day, um, which if we have one, I'd love to mention. But if I had all the money in the world, I wouldn't even target a card. I literally know I would make it like my life's mission to just buy, acquire. No, I would trade, right? I'd have fun. But if I didn't have to worry about the financial aspect of it whatsoever, and there was just unlimited funds, I realized that it may run its course, and I may not be as interested in one year or five years or whatever the time period is. Um, but that's my two cents on the subject, Jeremy, Jeremy looks like he's, he's going to cry. cry. Yeah, Yeah. I'm. No, I mean, listen. You, 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 I'm
0: thinking about this unlimited money thing. And at the end of the day, if I had unlimited money, I wouldn't care if I had a a 9, or eight. I'd just want the card, the copy that I like the most because you can own anything at that point. So maybe, maybe not. It's always fun to think about having. Circle
1: back to the so that Luca that I pulled that I said I would never sell. It came. So I had gone through prototyping and all this i had my first run of actual displays i had no money sold it for 1500 bucks and funded the like i literally was like couldn't and again it's a Luca base prism nothing crazy but like it was that first card that got that like crazy reaction and i told myself it would like i wasn't going to sell this i was watching prices go up go up go up didn't even care didn't even look at them but when the need came to, you know, I thought, hey, if this thing works out, I'll buy another one. Well, little did I know I could buy probably 10 of them now. Um, but I thought, man, worst case scenario, if this thing works, I could buy it back. So you sell for your needs and, you know, unlimited money. Well, that's probably- right. I mean, I you, you sell because the
0: time was right. I took it with me not expecting to sell it, but I got a very... I got a, a, an offer that I felt like that's the right offer. I'm well, I countered it. They accepted my counter and and off to the races we went. And so, you know, Corey says, I look like I want to cry. Sylvan here says that I looked conflicted, bummed after I sold the orc. What I was was in shock. I wasn't it wasn't that I was conflicted, bummed, uh, or about to cry. Literally, it was that I was <laughs> in shock that I moved this card that I had held dearly and tightly thinking I was never going to sell it. But then I realized that, you know what? It's, it's, it's not a great eight. It's not, it's not the, it's not like, if it was the best eight, I don't know that I would have moved it, you know, but it it wasn't. It had its issues. I don't even
1: think you need to do that though. Like, I, I honestly think you love that five and just roll with the five, the five and a half. And that's exactly what I'm doing. You don't have to worry about the up centering or the this and the that, like the, you know. Well, but you do. That's what it comes down to is how
0: much you love the specific copy. Layton, go ahead.
2: Uh, listen, I, I agree with you. Uh, I agree with you both. Um, you know, you want to be happy with the specific copy uh, of the card. Um, but I do feel your torment, Jeremy. I, I understand what you mean. You know, I sold a couple cards I remember last year at the National. Didn't really expect to sell them. When you sell them, I understand the feeling of shock. Um, but I would say this, um, the, at least the lessons that I've learned in the last, you know, couple of years on top of everything else. I don't really want the stuff to own me. Mm. So if you feel comfortable owning a sweet copy that's a five and a half, I'll throw in there, and I love the Orr card. If I, you know, had a really cool story behind a Bobby Orr rookie, I might just be happy with that copy, knowing the lineage and the provenance behind it. So there's no judgment. There's no jury. It is fun to discuss, though, and I didn't understand what you meant at first about shock. But now I do. Because it's like set in. I thought about a few cards. Yeah, I don't think I would cry. But I don't know if I would jump in the streets either. I would take a moment to be like, wait, what just happened?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it went down. And then I had to process it. That my my internal identity, as far as the hobby goes, that has always been relate. I've had this, this specific card as a part of that, is now no longer in my in my ownership, so, you know, does my, maybe hobby soul, hobby identity, uh, internal though, not how I'm looked at, just how I look at my own collection. This was, this was the centerpiece of my collection for a lot of years. And now I'm so much more of the buy the card, not the grade mentality that I was willing to, you know, would I buy that same card for the amount I sold it for today? Probably not. So let's sell it. I have a great copy in its place. Very quickly though here. Vintage card collector here says, unless a card is truly not replaceable for most of us, everything is for sale for the right price. And I think in my case, I had it replaced already because I, again, I had another card to slide in and become uh, the the new one. Uh, Mark Santucci says, as much as I hate the Boston Bruins, uh, that's a nice, or do you have the Esposito rookie, the Phil? I certainly do have the Phil Esposito rookie card, Mark Santucci. Now Layton, you see what Corey does with Show Your Slabs; these displays. How do you have you have you ever seen one with a bunch of vintage cards in them? What how how would they look in, in Corey's uh, Show Your Slab displays? One of your nice vintage sets or something?
2: Sure. So hopefully, I'm um, I'm thinking approximately three to five business days after today's call, I'll let you know because I've never seen them, but I'm hoping I'm going to have something show up on the doorstep of our offices and our store in Millburn, New Jersey. Um, sure. I've seen it plenty of times at our good buddy, Mark Zabo, who we just mentioned from bleaker trading a few minutes ago, we've seen it at his store on display, but Jeremy, to answer your question directly, I've not really seen one or a display of his filled up with vintage. And I'd like to, I think that'd be fun.
1: For sure. Corey, you got any,
2: any questions for Layton?
1: And that's the interesting thing about vintage, right? Is the card stock. And, and I know my, what I battle with vintage mostly is, you know, People don't want the cards out in the sunlight and and worrying about, you know, fading and detailing. And I I get that. And we have obviously solutions for that. We have individual UV slabs that go over the card that just covered 120% of the card. We have full covers. Um, But it's interesting. And this is kind of a question. And um, do you know the highest grade SGC Wagner? Uh, you're asking me. Yeah, and there'll be a story to follow.
2: So I'm pretty sure, at least from my
1: recollection, I think it's a five. It is a five. There
2: you and go. And the owner of
1: that card keeps it in a vault in a safe. Uh, well, what where, where would that card be valued at? Name a price. It's it's yeah it's I don't know ten
2: million dollars.
1: If one yeah, million dollars, yeah, not, right,
2: something extreme that I don't have to buy, but I'd like to.
1: Right. So he has this card um, and this guy is a through and through collector. Just, uh, I had never met him before He he had approached me at a show, but he had Blake Jameson. He had him paint an exact replica of the card because that card stays in the vault, right? It doesn't see sunlight, doesn't get messed with. It was probably, I don't know, three feet high to the point where I know that he sent pictures to him and the guy was like, no, this is too nice. Like I want all the cracks. I want all the quarters cut off. I want like the, like he wanted the exact card. So to make it even more exact, he, we had him, he painted the SGC label and we built a five foot tall SGC slab that holds this thing. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. He's got it for the Wagner, and he's got the Babe Ruth. uh, I I think I know who it is. You know who it is, right? Yeah. So he had come to me at a show, and he said, you know, I'd never met him, dealt with his handlers when we were doing the shipping and all that. And it was the craziest thing because he's he's telling me about where these things are and showing me pictures. And it's the Wagner, the Ruth, like Pollock, Van Gogh, like, the craziest art you just have ever seen. And I'm thinking like, why are these paintings up there? And he told me every time anybody that any one of his friends or any business partners come up, he directs them right to those two cars. And he says, those are he's like, all this other stuff is whatever. I own those two cars, you know? So kind of just to go back to the vintage thing, I, I while there is the, the risk of, you know, because the cars are older stock, I do think the vintage collectors love and enjoy being able to show them maybe not as much on the wall and that kind of stuff, but at least talk about them and in this case have enough money to have a five foot version of it made but um, no, I know not everyone can do that but I just I I, I really do think vintage collectors are collectors as much as values are all there like set building and all that is so cool. So I'm actually excited. I want to get up to your store and check it out. I'll be in New York Tuesday. So maybe I'll stop by.
2: Yeah, definitely. Send me a DM,
1: please.
0: Layton, uh, anything that you wanted to shout out going on on just Collect or, uh, vintage breaks or the new cards you picked up. I saw you, I saw your post on Instagram. Uh, you picked up some amazing stuff. As you always see, like you, you know, I always say that, that you're a professional baseball card hunter, but you're also somebody who like finds stuff on the regular. You're always uncovering yes. this awesome stuff. So what's going on right now? And then uh, and then we'll we'll wrap up.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to tell you a quick story about this collection I was able to purchase the other day. And then I am going to plug the vintage breaks event, which ends tomorrow uh, at the end. Um, so check this out. And you know how things go, right? People email you or they call you or even they text you. Um And you know they have such and such, Um, then you see images. And then like the next worst thing you can hear is, well, I'm talking to 11 different people. I'm talking to seven auction houses, I'm talking to three individual collectors, I'm talking to my cousin, Billy, and you're like my former schoolmate, Johnny. I'm
1: like, listen, I got no
2: chance of buying this collection. So um, fast forward, this gentleman sends over some pictures and he was talking to John uh, from our office who handles a lot of, like, at least the initial contact. And, you know, the gentleman was, like, very fast-paced with communication, but seemed to be like, well, you know, the owner needs to come out to, to, you know, my house today or to where I am today. And he was visiting New Jersey. Nothing was really quite clear. And, you know, I don't really like to go on wild goose chases. So I'm like, hey, we'll be here all day for you. Why don't you come on by? Um, And so he didn't come by that day. But he came by the next day, unannounced, 15 minutes before my podcast, Jeremy. And so, like a good podcast soldier, I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm going to be live for a little bit. So John stalled him, talked to him about, like, the birds and the bees, the local deli, you know, what's going on with the lottery, you know, all of this different kind of stuff to stall him. And so, fast forward, the guy... Is from Puerto Rico and has been living in Puerto Rico for several decades. Okay. He's married to a Colombian woman. They're over in Colombia to see her family in 1987. We've all been in the spot, not necessarily in Colombia, but where like our significant other is going into Bed Bath Beyond, going into some other errand, frankly, that you don't want to do. And you're like, you know, I'm going to just happen to see if there's a card shop in the area. That's the way he was describing it to me. He's at this flea market. He has no interest in being there, so he made his mission to ask every single vendor if they had any cards. So he mainly struck out. It was towards the end of walking around, and he asks this woman, "Do you have any cards?" The woman's like, "I don't understand what you're talking about. You know, you mean the large, the large ones?" She's like, "I don't have those." So he's walking away, and she's screaming at him because you know how it is at a flea market. You want to make a sale. She's like, I don't have the big ones, but I have the small ones. I'm like, what? I don't really understand what you're talking about here. Hopefully it's cards. So he tells me that she takes out, now they weren't in card savers back then, but an almost near complete 1933 Gowdy Sport Kings (laughs) set of 47 cards only missing the Ty Cobb. This is what's crazy. Other people may get upset about this. It was just kind of part of the story and funny. So it's like a heated negotiation back and forth, which if you want to read the full story, check out our blog at blog.justcollect.com. We ultimately reach a deal. No sooner when I give him the check, literally he was just sitting on this. He couldn't wait to share this nugget with me. He's like, you want to know how much I paid? I'm like, I don't care. He's like, you want to know how much you paid? I'm like, you're (laughs) going to tell me anyway. So you might as well tell me. He's like $7. I'm like, $7 Seven dollars per cart? He's like, no, seven dollars total. I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. So I'm like, I can do the math. I'm like, you negotiated pretty hard, you know? He's like, yeah, well, I need the extra five hundred for this and that. I'm like, get out of here. Meanwhile, we shook hands, we took video, um, and without exaggeration, he was in visiting family from New Jersey, uh, from Puerto Rico in New Jersey, and he carried the set with him. In the hopes that he would meet with an auction house or someone like ourselves, uh, get it appraised and maybe have it sold. And he has some more cards apparently from this flea market, 1987 Columbia find. Crazy. I
1: can't wait! I can't wait to see the rest. Did he know what like to look for? Like, is he a card? There was guy a or? little
2: bit of a language barrier. John, who works for us, is from um, Peru and speaks fluent Spanish, so even though he could communicate in English, there was like some of you know the idiosyncrasies of the the language that I couldn't quite figure out, it struck me as this. He had a few dollars in his pocket. He was looking to buy some old cards. He had no idea what they were worth, frankly. I don't think he had any idea even what they were. He's just like, hey, these are cool. I can afford them. And he's held them since 1987. By the way, he has one card graded. That's it. Neat. And everything else is ungraded.
0: Right on. So, guys, if you want to follow Leighton on Instagram at Leighton underscore Sheldon at just underscore collect. His podcast, as he mentioned, is Trading Card Therapy. She got a You got something going on in Vintage Break. Shout that out before you go.
2: Oh, sure. I appreciate it, Jeremy. So, tomorrow night at 10 o'clock Eastern time, we have the end of our big event. And we're giving away a 1956 Tops Roberto Clemente second year PSA 6. It's a gorgeous card. Um, thousands of dollars in break credit, 2022 National Treasures Baseball Box, and a lot of other great stuff. If you'd like to tune in, you can find us on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash vintage breaks. And we'll be breaking from noon till 10 o'clock tomorrow
0: uh, evening. Long day. Well, good luck with that, man. Good to see you. Thanks for the vintage talk. I always enjoy it, Corey. Thanks, to Corey, for uh, having some great stories to tell too. Lastly, uh,
1: well, Layton, I'll, I'll you have to pick a card to put into a slab chain. I don't. Absolutely. I, I may have, have to do like a vintage. Have, uh, in my,
2: yeah. uh Corey, it was great seeing you and spending time together on the show. Jeremy, congratulations on your Bobby Orr. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and check this out, Layton. Before you yeah. go, I picked this up at the Toronto Expo too. Oh, that's the Otto Graham you mentioned. What's that graded? That I can't see. It's a three point five, but it's it it looks like a six. I don't know, you know why. What? It's a three and a half. I
2: love Otto Graham. I love the nineteen fifty Bowman football set. They're like all miniature works of art. Um, congratulations, nice pickup.
0: I it, it, to me, it's just so iconic and beautiful. I absolutely love it. I was it was it's my favorite pickup uh, from from the Toronto Expo. All right, Layden, good to see you, buddy. Thanks for coming. Yep, take it easy, guys. Take it easy all right thank you Leighton so Corey first of all Sports Card Stallion says Corey from Show Your Slabs is the man huge asset to the hobby very nice that is Alex Pashon who was yeah he's just
1: saying that because I let him set up for free at my table in Toronto there you go
0: (laughs) there you go as you also you you had you had Amanda with you you had David Marino with you there for a little while you're what's going on it's just the the community table or what
1: yeah, I love it. I mean, and that's, that's, you know, where I, it's crazy. I, I don't, I have displays, so it's the perfect thing. If somebody wants to sell cards, I'm not selling cards. So I, it's win-win. Yeah. yeah like, I, I, I make custom stuff for them to put it up in and people perfect. go, I mean, a lot of people see all their cool stuff and they go, but where is this case from? Like where, how are these up? How are they up in the air? I don't look at the banner, just look yeah, at the banner hanging exactly. up behind it, right? Yeah. Right on.
0: Yankees fan says here, uh, for tonight's show and the two stories, beauty is in the eye of the holder. And I don't know if that's supposed to be a, a slab holder or eye of the beholder, but I get what you're saying and definitely agree. Collector's Dream, what's going on? Bobby Burrell says, as long as you're in the hobby, you have not found sorry, as long as you're in the hobby, you have not found your favorite card or collectible yet. The chase will always outweigh the kill. I mean, that's that's something that I've talked about before a lot. Corey's at you know, we buy cards, they, they arrive, or, you know, you bring them into your collection. We're all, we're, we're looking for that next card right away. It's like we're, we as collectors feel like we're just never satisfied. And that that could be a deeper psychological analysis to be had into the, I'm sure it has been into, you know, the mind of a collector. So yeah, interesting. Dennis Zender in the house. What's up, Dennis DPZ. Good to see you. And Terry fortune. Of course, I know About that, And you are just a big Bobby or fan, but don't worry, Terry. I still have a beautiful or in my collection, Joe Perot in the house, all the way from Hawaii. What's going on, Joe? Good to see you. And the professor says, I'm still absorbing the great content from last night's Toronto expo debriefed by you with Sam Mikey Reed. Would you, what does he say here? Would you ever consider regrading your PSA 5.5 or perhaps you think it may have been undergraded? Uh, Professor, I would not consider regrading my five and a half. I I feel like if they can't grade it right the first time, I'm not. I don't want to pay a grading company twice to do something that they should get right the first time. But a lot of people are will in our hobby are willing to pay twice for that um, because they often just get it wrong the first time, and the hobby just understands that and knows about that. So it is what it is. But not me, uh, Professor. I'm going to be happy with the card and not worry so much about the holder. If you All need, right. it correct,
1: I can help you out.
0: Yeah, exactly, for sure. 1956 Top Sky is here, Matt. Good to see you, buddy. Welcome to the show. One of our one of the most popular episodes in Sports Cars Live history was with Matthew Rocker talking about his 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle pickup at this year's Burbank show back in February. Okay. Corey, so I also wanted to talk to you like you're building a business in the hobby. It's a consumer product and you are also. It feels to me like you you put yourself out there. You're at all the shows. You're out there. You're hustling. You're talking to the vendors. But you're also on social media. You're, you're on Instagram. You're on. You're on. You're all. You're on Clubhouse quite a bit, talking to the folks that, that congregate there. How important do you feel? How important has it been to you? And how important do you feel it is for other startup companies in the space to build these relationships like you have? And like, has your presence on social media been part of that? strategy, not to undermine your authenticity and wanting to meet people, but is it part of your strategy in terms of building the Show Your Slabs brand?
1: You know, it's interesting. I'm, in the beginning, I would have said yes. And I, I, I do think that relationships in this, especially when you're in a product industry where, you know, you're just selling, you're selling something that you've made, yes, and maybe you have some protection and patents or whatever, but it's not you know, there's nothing that stop anyone else. So sometimes there can be, you know, competition or whatever it is. And you, and you want to kind of use yourself to perpetuate what you're, what you're selling and what you're doing. Right. But I'm finding out now that there's a lot of like, there's so much value in that, but it also really can hinder like growth as far as maybe it wasn't the right decision. I don't know because I'm I'm now finding myself like, yes, I have to be at everything. I have to do this. I, me, it, me and like trying to build out a team, maybe I don't trust the person to, and you're seeing it with breaking, right? You're seeing these guys that, that hire a kid to do breaking and the kids sitting there always oh, like, I like this card. He's just going to keep it and just destroy your brand. Right. I think that the hobby in general, it makes sense because it's still so niche and still really at the precipice of like bubbling to grow. Um, but I think going forward, like it, it's tough. You you really have to have a plan and strategy when you if you do tie yourself to a brand so much, because at, when are you not right? What where's the where can it go? You know, just you for instance, like. You know, you caught a bunch of crap for who you align yourself with. And maybe you aligned yourself with somebody at this point and then things changed and you align yourself with that point. And in this hobby, there's so many just kind of people waiting to pick that off. And like, you know, it's just wild to me. But all in all, yes, I think it's been super beneficial. And but I would caution anybody to kind of plan it out better than I did and maybe have like a group or like because you could find yourself tied to it and it it really can hinder your overall growth for just a company that offers a product.
0: What so speaking of you know a company offers a product, what's the competition been for you? Have there been people that have uh, sort of seen what you're doing and trying to do something similar uh and and also I'm curious about your your plans to scale and really build this business. So speak to those
1: yeah and it, there is there there's been competition um there's um it's funny there was one i've been kind of fortunate in that i haven't had any major um really pushes as some of my my friends i.e slab strong and um you know tim and Dan from stand-up displays and 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 you know even their competition i, I welcome competition i'll be tense to, on to the next thing before they can catch up to the first thing, um, in my opinion, and, and honestly, if I didn't have comp- if I if there wasn't that always looming thing of there is competition, then I probably wouldn't be as driven to to take this thing to um, to the likes that it can go. Um, and then the one, but there's a funny story. So this guy DMs me like I don't know a year ago on Instagram, and and that's again where maybe I shouldn't be even dealing with this DM. Like, because he's asking me if I my patent's published somewhere, he can see it. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting question, but okay, like, I, I'm not really going to engage this, like, what's the point? But I'm always, you know, then I get my, my defense mode on, and I'm like, why, or what's up? And he's like, I had a similar idea, and I just wanted to make sure I wasn't infringing. And I'm like, well, I don't know, do your own research. Like, call a patent attorney, don't call me, don't ask the guy, like, So I didn't think of anything then about six months later, I get a DM from a buddy of mine. He's like, have you seen this on Facebook? And it's literally the same thing. Like it's the same product. Now what he did was, which I've had customers come to me who has bought his and since bought mine, like he did engineer it a little differently that it's like friction fit, but they're dig underneath of it and pull it out with your finger and stuff. So, you know more power to him. I don't. And but what really pissed me off is that he like. I mean, you look at the, and again, this is I'm emulating a PSA slab, so I can't really say that I'm not like I'm original, but I am original. Like I PSA doesn't have a problem with me because I'm not like yes I want I want it to look like their slab because I want people to put their slabs in it. I do the same for Becca, the same for Tag, I do it for all of them. Um, because I want people to put their cards and enjoy, get more cards graded and put more cards up. But this guy, I mean, even down to his, like, whatever the name of his company was. And I honestly don't even know what it is. I wouldn't say it if I did, but it was like S something S like, and it just like, be creative. Like if you're going to come at, like, if you're going to come into the space, I welcome it. I, I don't, again, competition is great. Don't ask me how to rip me off, then rip me off. Then also just use the same, you know, and, and mind you undercut me by like 20 bucks, which he will learn that that will not scale because I know how, I know all the processes. I've gone through all the hard, you know, points of learning price point and all that stuff. Um, And really I haven't heard much since, you know, I don't look, I don't seek them out, but. I don't run from competition because again i think it's good i think it's healthy um but i do i do stand up for competition that isn't fair or just is somebody trying to you know capitalize on a market that they don't have any business in or you know and i'm not going to put them down i'm just going to work harder and i'm just going to you know keep coming up with new stuff and grind and keep my head down and keep going and pushing and trying to figure out what you know because at the end of the day it's one or two things if they copy me then that's fine they're never gonna catch up to like why they're coming out with my first copy I'm going to the 12th thing if they come in and they're just trying to capitalize on the market they're not gonna know the nuances of the hobby so they're gonna they're gonna stub their toe if they they're a big company that has a bunch of money they're gonna burn a bunch of cash trying to figure it out you know, I'd rather work with them if I can. If I can't, then we'll see where we land when the dust settles.
0: So are most of your customers like collectors or because I, I know I've seen I've seen on your Instagram where you've actually outfitted complete LCSs, and the, the sports car professor wants to know what LCS is. It is a local card shop professor. LCS is simply a short form acronym for local card shop. But Corey, you've outfitted some LCSs with your product. So. Where are you focusing more, and and how are you scaling? Are you is are you a one man show still? Are you doing all the all the craftsmanship yourself? And are you, what percentage of your business, if you want to share, is yeah. is collector versus LCS or promotional for companies and that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, so I'll probably keep a little bit of it to myself because I'm going through a a shift. There's things kind of have to change because I am a one man show up till. Kind of now I have um, some people that, uh, you know, are are partners, but it it just the timing doesn't work out for everything. And and it takes a lot. It really does take a lot. Um, Put a lot into this and and the scalability was always kind of my wonder and concern, um, because at what point do like the collector is where you need to get the scale, but the LCS is the person who can get it to the collector to scale. So really right now we are doing a lot of card shops. And the greatest thing about the card shop to me is what we do with them. And I tell every customer this, when I talk to them, every store owner, I'm not just going to sit here and, you know, we're going to talk, design a display, work through it. It's not cheap. The It's pretty much craft like handcrafted as far as, you know, I'm not doing it by hand, but it's a machine. It's all like you got to plot everything out. Everything's done. I'm not. I don't fabricate the big stuff. I do have manufacturing back. I have like a manufacturer locally that is a one of the biggest in the country. So it's just worked out that way. And and he's fantastic in um, in fabricating skill. But so he handles all the big stuff and the big orders and the and so we do have that. But the What I tell the store owners is, you know, when you take the time and you take the pride to build your store out, you will see an instant result and you will you'll benefit from it. And there's data to prove it. So we built a store um, that was in Wayne, Pennsylvania. They were in business for three and a half years um, prior and there were about eight, nine hundred square feet. I had done some business with the guy, fantastic, it's called Wheelhouse Sports Cards, um, and he had been telling me, "Hey man, we're we're like stores packed all the time." He had a couple of our little wall displays. He said, "We're we're looking to move right down the street, mile down the road, like this is it. We're going to move eight hundred square feet, twenty three hundred square feet. We want you to come in and just do your thing, tell us what you think. Kind of, we're putting our trust in you. We, we're, you know, we got the money's here." Because, frankly, you know, if you're starting a card store, you probably have it online back. You know, you're probably making your money on breaking. So a lot of these guys have money and, you know, they can reinvest it. Um, So what we did there is we did a giant wall display with PSA slabs. But what what was really interesting was we did a giant wall with one touches, you know, raw cards. After about a month and a half, I reached out to the owner and I asked him how things were going. And he said that they had done three, it was either three to four times the amount of raw card sales in that first period than they had ever done at the other store. And I really think it's because it's up on the wall. If you present things well, and they're not, you know, they're nothing crazy, maybe five to $50 cards, maybe a hundred at the most. But, you know, if you if you're a store owner and you put something in a box, you're saying discount. You're saying how much of a discount am I going to get? Because if I have to search for it, I want a discount.
0: Yeah. But I think if you put it on the wall in a display like yours, it actually makes it look and feel more premium. So you may get more sales that way. Maybe you can charge more without gouging. We never want to encourage gouging. And,
1: And that, right. That's the point. But with that said, you can also hand select like they put, You know, when it's when the Eagles are making their run, I guarantee that whole display was all Eagles and they were just getting plucked off. And that's the other thing with retail. Right. Everything is about how can you turn a piece of square footage into revenue generating? Well, there's no better way than taking a wall that's, you know, a four foot, four by four foot area in a wall. You're never going to get the return as if you put 150 cards in it and just. You know, say you turn that thing over three times in a couple of months. What are you going to put up there? A jersey that might sell once in six? You know, right. Yeah. So, I, I hear you. I
0: want to go back when we were talking about relationships and, you know, you being present on social media. We've got here we have Stiff Arm Wax says, Show your slabs, never forget. And here we have Eric, who's Door, who Sanderson Dora says, There's only one slab display company to use, and it is Show Your Slabs. I mean, these are guys that you have met through. Your efforts of being present in the hobby, being on Clubhouse, being at card shows. Uh, I mean, it's it's a testament that if you are going to start a company in the hobby, if you're a collector or a hobbyist starting a company in the hobby, you have a good, unique idea. I think you're going to be a lot more successful if you have friendships out there. Like, look at your buddy, Tim, at Slabstrong. He's very active on social media. He got a he got his own card made by Tops because he's put himself out there that has to be good for his brand right like how how what have you heard from him as far as being on one of the car one of those car one of those influencer type cards has it helped his company
1: a hundred percent and tim's the best because he doesn't care what like it that if you can't take anything from tim that he you know even if people don't like it and it was funny and this isn't you know, this is a story that's out there. I have, we both have relationships with the people at Fanatics and Tops now and they're fantastic guys. Um, and it's interesting, our relationship with them because we're not looking, you know, we're not over, you know, can we get product? Can we get this? We're kind of trying to present them ideas, you know, new stuff. This is the way, you know, hobby stuff, maybe something that they're not thinking of. And I was talking with um, one of the higher-ups at Fanatics. We were having, we we're getting something to eat in Vegas. And he was telling us about this card set that's coming out with the influencers, and he kind of went down the names of people. And I, you know, I said to him, I was like, "You've got to have the." I said the big hat because I just thought the big hat. Like I didn't actually really think Tim because I know Tim is a big hat. And he had typed an email, and the reason I did that wasn't necessarily because I needed. God knows I don't need any, you know, to hear Tim talk about himself anymore, but. I wanted because Tim is a perfect example of like all the hobby negativity that people can throw upon the Jeff Wilsons and the guys and the Aaron. And it's undo or do whatever, I don't care. You can't hate Tim. You can't, like, just me. We're both, we both talk to each other about it all the time. We're making, he's making a, a slab, you know, bumper and I'm making wall displays. We're out here having fun, like, find something to hate on us. Like you may not like the way I talk fine, but that's, you know, so my thought was when I told him about the big hat guy, it was like, okay, they're probably going to get destroyed for this. You know, because we saw how everything went when with um, the V cards and all that stuff, where everybody just said, what all fanatics is just taking this thing down the toilet. So my thought was, if you could just put that one person in there that flips the whole script, where it's like, oh, you might not like him. You might not like him. Oh, but he's cool. Then you got to like the product. You can't yeah. like, you know. And that's that's honestly, I'm so happy for him. And it's getting a little old. But now he's rejuvenated it with a whole new little spout that he's on with this guy on Instagram. So it's it's fun again.
0: Well, I, okay. I, I I think I saw something about that. So uh, He named think... the guy to death. That, that's all you need to know. What was this? What was the guy's name? Do you know it's like Hobby Shark or
1: something? But the greatest
0: thing was that's what I was thinking, Corey. Because right here, Hobby Cham says Hobby Shark hates Tim, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself,
1: no, Hobby Shark hates Jeff Wilson, and uh, Jeff, and it's one of these guys that pick you know, looks to hype the negativity of it. And again, you can that there are things you know, if if you took us a card pick from Jeff and he told you to buy something and you bought a thousand of them and you lost a bunch of money, then you may have a gripe. I don't think half of these people do. I I just think they don't like the way he, you know, he's kind of out there and, and maybe he wasn't in the hobby before and fine. But when you're, he literally went after Tim because I think he said, I can't imagine work. Jeff Wilson owning my company and making me wear a big hat to get attention. And like Tim, when I think of Tim and I go, oh man, how's this going to go? I've totally forgot that he's got this ability to make these pinata farm videos that normally I swear to you when I first, when we first started hanging out and he started with these, I muted his account. Like I was like, I, it's enough. It's too many. Like, but he brought them back and in the most like playful way, kind of just taking shots through like little meme videos. To the point where I, I, truly think if you could, he mean the guy to death, and the guy reported him and got banned on Instagram. Well, I, I've never
0: heard of Hobby Shark, but I, as we're talking, I just looked up on Instagram. And I I, do, I don't follow the person, and I see I see his name, thirteen and a half thousand followers. So obviously a pretty pretty big account as far. Yeah, as if you hobby dig into goes. the
1: followers, you may find not. But whatever, I don't, I don't even want to deal with it because look, if he sees this and comes at me, I'm putting Tim on you. So good luck. I'm, I'm, I'm farming that out. I don't, I got no business in that that no, argument. I'm, I just the negativity to me is just annoying, and the way Tim handles it is probably the best I ever see it. Where he just literally makes memes of them, like of the first one was Baby Shark. He's turning his into- face singing Baby Shark
0: turning it into a, into sport collector's dream says good products like yours will be copied unfortunately yep and i'm copying myself 1956 tops guy says do you make a version for coin or comic collectors
1: yes um i don't want to go off screen but i could show you one right now uh on the other side of the office but we make yeah on the website we have them for cgc uh and the coin ones aren't on the website yet but I had one on display at um in Toronto because I found out that PSA now grades POGS and it's the same as the coin case. Okay, so so, so you yes. have them available,
0: showyourslabs.com for uh, 56 Top Sky or anyone else who wants to look at coin or comic uh show your slabs displays. Yep. You can find them you can find them on the website, or of course uh, you can just reach out to Corey at show your. At show your slabs on all of your social media platforms. Uh, Mike at Eastridge says, I love running into Corey, Tim from Slab Strong, and Dan from Stand Up Displays. It shows they're also positive and fun to talk to and hang around with. And Mark Santucci, so how is Leafland? Yeah, Mark, the expo was awesome. Uh, I did a recap last night. You can go back and hear all about it on that episode. Uh, the Toronto Expo was awesome, but for, for you, Corey, let's talk about your experience at the toronto expo um and you mentioned to me a funny story about a fire emoji thing why don't you uh tell us how the toronto expo is for you and what's the tell the story if you don't mind because
1: yeah yeah i think it's so neat the expo to me is probably in my top three of shows if not top one of just enjoyment as a vendor and not overly feeling like the national is the biggest and and obviously the brightest lights and all that but with with me that national brings so much stress and just like, you know, focus and, and same with some of the other shows. Um, Dallas is fun, but repetitive. Sometimes the the expo I've been to every, well, I was at the first virtual and I didn't know how that was going to go. And then I went to the first one and I was just shocked. I mean, it it is always well attended. Steve, Steve has, has done an, unbelievable job in understanding how to run a show how because yes it's important to have the big names there it's important to have the vendors and all that but it's more important to get people in the door and he is so good at that and he doesn't you know over and I see him at every other show so he's obviously out there and he's picking people's brains and he's wondering he's always been so great to me and just um, so
0: everybody knows, Corey's talking about Steve Menzies, who is the yeah. owner of this of the Toronto Sport yeah. Card Expo and the Edmonton Sport Card Expo, which is coming yeah. up next weekend.
1: Yeah, so and, and he gets it right. And I saw, you know, it's funny, you see, Steve, he starts what like now he's wearing like the you know, air the uh Jordan 1 Lowe's and he's got all the style. and I'm like, oh, he's giving him because this thing, it's funny how it's, it's kind of the trajectory of, but he's such an awesome guy, so and. I don't know whether it's just because it's uh, it's a lot of hockey, but there's really a lot of everything. I mean, I I've never seen more like oddball stuff that I love. Like the there's a guy that has that whole wall that has everything of wax you could ever imagine. I mean, Mm -hmm. even porn cards for like you know just to show the extensive range of like every piece of wax from the early '80s on up, and they're not nothing's crazy price. But um, I never am shocked and i'm always astounded of how i could spend being on the other side of the booth but anyway so we we started with the slab chains at the last show and it was me and tim and they sold out like in the probably the second or third day so this last show i thought i brought up enough and again just you know collectors loving them the slab chain to me was the kind of easiest no brainer thing that I didn't I thought would maybe catch on a little bit, but I never saw it going where it is, because I think people love to wear it. It te- it, it it almost says what you have, right? And especially if you have one card you want to sell, put it in a chain. I've had I think I had two people from this last expo come back and buy a new chains because they sold the whole. Thing. and this is <laughs> to that the, card and the
0: buyer wanted the chain to go along with it
1: yeah it was just easier to tackle on it you know so i'm set up with david uh with david marino has got some of his cards out and it's the last day and there's a and i looked into in one of my boxes and I, did, I totally forgot i brought this fire emoji chain which is again it's a the holder looks like a giant fire emoji i make them for um more tcg shows and this kid comes up and he's probably like 12 and he's looking in David's case and he's got this one odd ball Charizard card that maybe it was worth like 20 bucks, right? PSA 10 Charizard. And the kid is going back and forth with David kind of hemming and hauling over it. And I, I go to the kid and I go, Hey, if you buy that card, I'll give you this fire emoji chain. And he goes, really? And I go, yeah. And he goes, okay, deal. And as he, I say deal, there's a, a guy standing next to him who's probably in his mid 50s who goes, oh, my daughter would love that. He looks at the kid. And he goes, I'll give you 50 bucks for it right now. And the kid's like, what? And he's like, you, you make you make 30 bucks. You don't even move. And the kid's like, well, I kind of wanted to like wear like I could see the kid. His wheels turning. But I also could see like the father, like it was weird because I was, I wanted to tell the father to beat it, but then he's like it for his daughter. So I'm like, I wish I had another one. I would have just helped, you know. And, but I was really hoping that the kid would kind of hold on to it and like hold strong. And in fact he did. So I saw him about a half hour later, caddy corner to a table and I saw him wearing it. And I saw him like kind of holding it up to somebody. And then an hour later, some other random guy, like a 30 year old guy comes walking with the chain in his hand and he's like, Hey man, can you, uh, do you have one of those suction tools things now? I want to change this out for my, my Charizard, whatever. And I'm like, where did you get that? And he goes, Oh, I bought it off of some kid for a hundred bucks. <laughs> and I'm like, it, honestly, I was happy. It was, I I was happy. I, you know, to me, it's like, you could think of it a couple of ways. He held off the 50 at a hundred sell. It. No, and it and the crazy thing was that guy probably gave that, the Charizard that he bought to some kid. Cause he could carry, he wanted to put, you know, the 1999 promo, whatever his, he's like, people are going to go nuts over this. And I'm thinking, all right. Yeah. But it was just funny to me that I saw the full cycle of the hobby, right. With a, with a slab chain, because cool. it's, yeah. it's limited supply as their cards.
0: Yeah, well now you know you got to make some more of those things cuz they're going to be hot sellers yep. at, at at the show. So you do you do the the show in Canada, the Toronto Expo, you do all the shows in the US it seems like. Well, you know, not to pit the countries against each other or anything, but you know, Canada shows that you've been doing versus US shows, are there any anything else that comes to mind out, outside of the fact that in Canada you're going to have more hockey at the shows than you will in the US? what like and again i'm not looking to pit them against each other no but for people really more i'm getting at it from for the people in the u.s that are watching or listening that have maybe thought about coming up to the expo that haven't would you recommend it is it uh you know what will they find there that they're not finding down in the u.s outside of
1: hockey cards uh anything of anything about that that you can kind of share i would recommend it a thousand percent i would be Cautious to recommend it to anybody who I thought was strictly in it for flipping, you know, for making money. and You know, if that's their primary focus. I'm not saying you can't, but if you're not into hockey, you can if you're in hockey because ho- hockey moves crazy. So maybe stock up on that. Um, I can say that, like, if you're a collector, you it's a must. Like, it's a must attend to me like to to just see you know again like you i saw you guys were talking about it last night um on the recap show the amount of kids that by the way aren't in school which i don't know what the hell's going on there but in the same respect i thought well they're probably making their parents paycheck uh in (laughs) in that four-hour window um but Yes, it's 100%. I recommend it. It's And it's not even pitting it versus the, the shows in the U.S. because truthfully, the shows in the U.S. are fantastic in their own right. Everyone has their own little kind of way. Um, But really, like, this to me, and let's also get this, you know, on the record. This isn't some, like, they saw the hobby boom and started a show like this has lineage this is a well thought out well planned you know and not that the others aren't but like when you start a show and your your main focus is to get me there and tim there and pwcc and ebay is your title sponsor and you're not carrying you're not spending a cent on facebook advertising locally or you know local radio commercials or whatever it is and it's tough for vendors to travel and, and not know that the the ground attendance is going to be there, but is there, it's never disappointed and it's no, grown. It's uh,
0: it's a big show. I mean, it's been going on for at least at least 30 years, I think at this point and every show they're breaking attendance records. This last show we've confirmed most attendance ever. I mean, if you were there on Saturday, Corey, it was an it was just packed and the and the the aisles as i've learned from listening to ken Cairns from sports card lessons the aisles are a lot wider than those shows oh, and most shows in the us despite the wide aisles they were still super jam packed on saturday i mean not to the point where you're not moving but to the point where you no, know it's... you might have to stop for 10 seconds or 5 seconds and wait for some for a, a lane to open up you know A fun game
1: to play if you are an American, you go up there and and you're walking through those aisles, is just like loudly say, Excuse me, and you'll hear about 10 stories. (laughs) And you're not, nobody like it's not, nobody even bumped you. It's just they're inherently (laughs) nice people and they don't want to be in the way. But at that show, there is, it's impossible not to. And let me add that, like, the food is great, you know, it's not. For an, in, for an in-show thing. Like, they've got all the the things that a show, you know, they're not, like, planning it all as it goes. It's got lineage. To me, it's, you know, as well run as the national, I don't even know, you know, on scale. Um, it's just a Now, again, I see, you know, what's his name running around with his little thing you guys were talking about last night who runs a show for Mikey's. Um, Mikey, Mikey's Yeah, CR. Mikey from, I always I always want to call him Joey because his name of his stupid Instagram handle is Joey's House of Cards. Yeah. That's another thing. People's Instagram handles is like, it's whatever you pick that's going to be called. So Mikey, you should have picked Mikey's little House of Cards and people won't call you Joey. But I laugh because every time I saw him, he's with his little thing we're coming in i'm like thinking he's like you know talking to some trucker and he's you know either worried about somebody stealing something or or helping somebody move something in or but it, yeah, it they is run, a well they run, run show
0: a, they run a very a real tight ship there eric says expo is the best show on the planet and that's coming Eric eric is a is american professor says i did show a non-hockey music card that i bought at the expo i bought two music cards at the expo uh, I bought the Snoop Dogg and the Nirvana uh, 95 Panini stickers card. So very happy with those. Mark Santucci uh, doesn't have the right friends. Mark, you, you got to find. Yeah, it's great to have a partner to come with if you're coming up doing a road trip. So hopefully you can find someone to come to the expo with you next time. Mark would be great to see you there. Denny wants to know about poutine. Poutine's more of a Quebec dish, not a Canadian dish. Quebec being one of the provinces in Canada. No poutine that I'm aware of. In Ontario, although there are some, spices. I have yeah, no, they have it at Wendy's. Well, yeah, when, get... all Wendy's have it, but I mean, it's uh, well, not in America like, they
1: don't unless yeah.
0: unless you're unless you're in Quebec, which is really where it's originated. Uh, it's it's not going to oh, be. And let me
1: add that it's right by the airport. Like you could throw a ball at the airport. So oh, the convent, the conference yes. center is right
0: at the airport. Yeah, and it's so are fantastic. the folks.
1: Right, logistically, I, I, there's nothing easier.
0: I rent. I rented a car, Corey. I rented a car. I had it. I. I got there Wednesday night and I didn't leave till Monday night. So about what has a five full days rented a car. I'm zipping from the airport, hotel, show, hotel, restaurant, hotel, show, you know, back and forth, back and forth. I went to fill it up with gas at the end of, at the end of my term, $12 and 60 cents is all I had to put in to fill up the tank with gas. And that was being at the five days at the card show. So that tells you how close it is to, uh, to all the conveniences, uh, for sure. What's going on, John Wee of Center Stage? Good to see you, John. Um, so okay, Corey, let's let's talk. You we've been talking a bit about Instagram. I wanted to uh talk, you know, when we were chatting the other day, we talked a little bit about like fiction, Instagram fiction versus reality, what's happening actually day to day in the hobby versus the narratives on Instagram and YouTube and all that. And you know, you've you have a unique perspective because you're talking to LCSs all the time. You're talking to collectors all the time. You're talking to companies dealing with promotional items all the time. So, what are some of your perspectives on, you know, what we're seeing on social media? And we also had mentioned, you know, what you have some thoughts on the watchdog type of content. So, why don't you uh, just speak to what are your thoughts? What's going on in
1: your mind on all this stuff? Yeah, I just, to me, it's it's funny because it's not, again, and it's more probably a broader issue of just turn on the news and everything's negative. I get it. Look, prices are down. I did want to do, I, I thought I had pulled up some research of just car prices to show like, okay, a Michael Jordan in 2018 was how much? And now it's how, like, you know, so I get it. Prices are coming back down to earth. People are realizing maybe they made bad investments, but that is all you ever see. And I I don't know if it's an algorithm or what, obviously it probably is because people comment on it more, but you know, for somebody who goes to shows, who goes to, who works directly with LCSs, who, um, you know, talks to these owners. I have three stores in particular that I could just think off the top of my head that one, I just saw an Instagram post today that doesn't have as many likes as it should that said this last month tied their second best month ever being in business, you know, over three years, two years. Um, and January was their best month ever. Or, and I think the month, two months ago was like match that. So what I mean is like, so that store, they're opening another store. Right. Because they can't keep the stuff in the shelves there, you know, or they're, mo- they're, they're moving to a bigger store. Um, another store in AA mint, which is actually one of the first stores I worked with um, that was actually featured on with two chains, nonetheless, on a big documentary. Um, they're moving into a, they're, do- they're tripling their size moving in. Um. Yep. Amen. That's it there. And, so, and it's because so, of demand.
0: Corey collector's dream here is talk that beautiful wall card display. That's your work.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's something that was, um, Mark and his son, um, came to me at, at a show in Miami. And again, if I didn't go to the shows, I would have never met him. He was, you know, doing a lot of business on eBay and wanted to open a store with him and his son. They signed this lease and they had nowhere. to, They had, you know, maybe 900 square feet a thousand square feet and if they were to put the standard showcases in you wouldn't have been able to walk by like it was so narrow so we we were able to provide a big solution which was literally 1200 slabs on the wall that they have top and bottom um but again so they're one of them like i you know and then the other one i just spoke about wheelhouse they're opening a completely new second store because and it's, you know, I see their Instagrams and they do post about it. It just doesn't get picked up like full of kids. Full, now, maybe this is just because it's that collector mid. And I'm not saying the guys that are are in it for high end art collectors, too, that are, you know, that they, they see these price drops down. But like as far as wax being ripped, you know, stores being full, singles being sold it's just nuts. And like, I just wish somehow that story would be told better or more or just in in relevance to, you know, all these like a card porn post the other day. um, The Jordan at this price at this time now or and and when it was like two years ago, and I commented on there and I said, Why didn't you post a price? Four years ago? Like if we're doing price analysis, Full transparency is the way to go because the price of the Jordan, I think in 2018, and I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong by that much was 30 to 50,000, right? Yeah. 30,000. It's never dropped. I mean, since the big boom, it's what now 140, maybe at the very lowest. I'm hearing of them
0: selling 150 to 180. I know a private sale just took place at 180. So yeah,
1: like, Again, like, so if we're going to let the top of the market dictate, like, there's got, and maybe we don't need pushback, because really, Instagram is just a catalyst of, you know, people trying to show off their what they want to do. And, and, or, because I don't even think some of these guys they are so busy, they can't be on Instagram. So they don't care. They're running stores, you know, they're, and they're, you know, doing birthday parties, which is so freaking cool. Like, you can go, like, they have packages set up where you can go in, and it's a trade thing, and you set up, you know, every kid gets a present pack, and they all do a rip, and they, you know, figure out, like, to me, that, those kind of things are, honestly, the best, and screw all the sediment of, like, the hobby and everything, like, just making money, like, these guys aren't, and a lot of them didn't start with allocation, they don't have the biggest allocation, they work with what they get. But they treat they get the customers in they, and and every one every single one of them has said they've never seen more traction in the in the in the sh- in the shops. Now you look on Instagram, everything's you know. And really, the problem, like you were saying, with the watchdog stuff is the story is never told true. Like to me, it's nuts that we call some of these people journalists because they don't give up their sources. But yet they're not held to tell a full story. And we you probably know what I'm talking about, and I'm not going to go down the road of it. But like some of the stories reported, or like I think there was one the other day. And again, don't get me wrong, this was the Bleacher Breaks guys. I think Cage said something about it was like, yes, they lost a card and it came back up later on. But apparently, they, the person who got the card stolen or or misplaced was given like $2,000 in hobby, like way over value of whatever the card was. And it can't, you know, so we don't hear that part of the story. Um, but I, and I do agree that the people that are just straight, you know, cheating people are, should be drummed out and kind of just let left to their own devices and kind of put on blast. But let's, try to collect a little more fact before we just go straight to the, you know, bury them.
0: Well, here, let's look at this comment from Matt from the essential credentials podcast as we are still in this cancel culture slash negative culture that people seem to be drawn to. There is so much positivity in this hobby that gets overlooked, especially how amazing this community is. And, I think it's a a good point, especially the last part, you know, the, the community, because and I know Matt and i and just being at the Expo this past weekend, I made new friends at the Expo. I had dinner on Saturday night where I really only had dined previously with two people at the table only. That's a big number, actually, when there's only six of you sitting there. So three people I sat down and had dinner with for the first time ever. I mean, that's that that's a positive, that's positivity in our our hobby, at least for me, that's positivity. So I get to talk to more people, I get to make new friends, I get to learn how they approach the hobby. why, Why are they in the hobby? What do they love about collecting? I like to hear those stories and learn more. And, you know, that's the positive story that that's hobby positivity, that that is a great kind of positivity, and I'm happy I can talk about it right here, right now, because otherwise I'm probably not gonna go do a, a short video on YouTube to talk right. about the way we see short videos on a lot of the the complaints or the just the, the negative stuff. And when I say negative stuff, I'm not talking about fraud, fraud, have at her. I mean, like, I you know, like, yeah, that's a bad that's bad. We don't want it in our hobby, and we want to make sure that it doesn't happen again. We had we had hobby hobby uh negativity that was masked by positivity come out of the expo where that one guy who stole the cards and brought them to sell at the expo got caught and a bunch of people rallied to help catch the guy and they did and then the authorities came and took him away and whatever happened happened but you know that's a another story where the hobby rallied together it started off as something negative it turned into something quite positive so um do you have any like any comment on the general narratives that are going on in hobby content uh,
1: and, and and anything further to what you've already said? I should. Yeah. Say. So, again, and I don't I'm not against like reporting that sales are down or reporting that prices are down or trying to help people navigate this world that, that you know, you that people look at these things as asset class and, and invest in what real information. And like the real information is maybe this, this isn't the time to buy, or maybe it is. Um, and there are really people losing, you know, a lot of money. And that, that, that should be talked about. I'm not opposed to that. Like I'm not opposed to bringing real news, but like a lot of it just seems to be part of my language with bullshit drama that nobody cares about. And like, the reality of it is they're doing it for clickbait. Like, Again, prime example of that hobby shark thing. If Jeff Wilson owned Slab Strong, made Tim wear a hat, and go to shows, who gives a shit? I mean, who cares? Why why is that a bad thing? Why do you care? Why do you need to make a post about it? You obviously built up 13.2 thousand followers, and you don't sit behind, you're just a collector, and you want what's right for the hobby. Because that's just not true.
0: Well, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, someone like Tim, and again, I don't I don't know Slab Shark at all, just found out about him really today. I
1: knew I have had interactions with him. But I'm just saying, about a website.
0: I, I do know Tim and at the end of the day, I'd rather I'd rather be the person, you know, making moves, I'd rather be the person building a business, fulfilling a dream, and have somebody kind of come at yeah. me versus be the somebody who's just looking to come after somebody for whatever reason, because you've got too much time on your hands. One, one is out there doing and the other is out there reacting. And I'd rather be the doer than the reactor. And I think uh, that just right there, Tim has the upper hand and could, could probably just forget about it and move on. Like just let, let, let them do their thing, you know, uh, because they're, they're no matter what you do, there's going to be somebody out there who has too much time on their hands. Probably is a little bit scared to take a risk. Meanwhile, Tim's out there taking a risk, starting a company and part and found, uh, an investment partner in Jeff Wilson who believed in his product. Well, that's a pretty nice thing for somebody to believe in your product and want to invest in it and, and take a liking to you and help you move forward with your company. So if anything, Tim should be holding his head and I'm sure he, I know he is my perspective, Tim should just be holding his head high. Uh, and he doesn't need that hat to hold it high. He holds his, I high, he hold his the hat. hat the I just a normal I've, size I mean, hat now. I've I've known Tim for a while now, and you know we've hung out. And uh, what a stand-up guy! So anyone who's going after Tim really needs to check themselves. I would say, stiff arm wax agrees right with there, right there with that. So and I know stiff also does know Tim. So yeah, I mean, you know this. Some of the content out there, it it is good because people do need to know what is happening out there. But prices falling, is that really that negative for the hobby? I mean, it's negative for people who came in in 2021. But if you have been around for a while, prices falling, well, you're, you know, hey, I we talked about earlier, I sold my Bobby Orr rookie card last weekend. I bought the card in 2008 or seven, okay? If I would have sold it, in Q1 of 2021, I might have got double what I got for it, five, you know, a week ago. But I still got, I still got seven times my cost on it, seven hundred percent gain on that card. And this is today after prices have come down almost fifty percent. So, uh, I mean, from the all-time high, I, I think I guess I got just over fifty percent of the all-time high on that card. And I'm still feeling pretty good about it. So prices coming down, you have, like you said, Corey, you need to kind of zoom out. You need to look at the whole landscape and say, you know, say, the hobby didn't start in 2021 when, when a couple of Michael Jordans sold on golden for $720,000. That wasn't the start of the hobby. And so if you've been around a bit longer uh, like myself and many others, we're still doing pretty well with the values of our cards. If we were to go to sell
1: them. So and that's why I appreciate you, you know, kind of how you are with it because you're somebody who's been in it for so long. Right. And I kind of get a pass because I don't think I really irk anybody in it. Like, but I see some of these people who like these companies come in and start up and like, they're just like, immediately, you weren't in the hobby in this time. you Like, we're just going to, you have to prove yourself to something. Like if we want this thing to grow again, other than somebody committing fraud or whatever, like, If you want it to grow and for people to be like, you know, out and spoken about it on Instagram of all places to say like to kind of how to gatekeep for lack of a better term. I hate that term, but there are people that do it, you know, what in many different ways. If you gatekeep and you go on Instagram, you're just counter. That's literally the opposite of what it is because you're just doing it because you want more people to see it right? But you're don't want more people to come in. So like, again, and the, the one thing about, yes, it's easy for Tim to brush that stuff off and all that kind of, and, but what ends up happening is these, you know, kind of gotcha accounts and negative accounts. They breed their own kind of, and then other ones start piling on for, I mean, to me, I can't even imagine having the time of day to comment something and especially something negative where I'm sitting there and I'm like, hey, I'm going to really stick it. I'm going to tell him that Jeff Wilson told him like what in what world would you, do you have time We're, for probably, that?
0: To- misery loves company. right? But you got
1: to put a pin in it because the company like great example. Some other guy goes jumps on this Tim thing, comments on something about, thank God he finally stopped talking about his card at least. Tim revs up the old Pinata Farms, dumps this guy in it with the, you know, he's got the cards just floating around him and all this stuff. And he's like, imagine, and then the guy DMs Tim, he's like, I'm sorry, man, I just made one comment. And like, so then now now this guy has a pot, like and Tim's like, I'm just playing with like, now they have a, so, I do think there is something inherently in like he turned that guy back. Like, okay, maybe all this negativity isn't, maybe they are just having fun. Maybe it's like, not take it too seriously. So I I get the, the you know, Tim's doing better, overlook it. But I also think there is something in trying to take a second and figure out a way to either meme the person to death, which is the greatest thing in the world to you can say, or you know reach out and be like let's go live let's talk You I got a problem that.
0: i prefer the latter let's, yeah. or and it doesn't have to be live publicly have just have a 100%. have a private have a private yeah. discussion and see if you can find some common ground and if you
1: can't fair
0: well we're all in this hobby we all have something in common to start on maybe we can build from there and find some common ground and maybe we're misunderstanding misinterpreting and those sorts of things so it's po- you know possibly not in all cases of course, Hobby Champs here says, I don't enjoy the falling, the, the prices falling content. I'm fine that it exists, but it's a little finger pointy sometimes, or sorry, someone may have lost big, so why rub it in? It just seems clickbaity. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've seen people, I've seen thumbnails on YouTube that are like, I lost $10,000 or I lost this or I lost that, which I think that's great content because you're showing people as uh, as Matt here says uh, you're informing collectors of what you might expect down the road you know it's really about risk and being aware of the risk it's almost like a risk disc- totally it's like a risk disclosure for yeah. newcomers like you you said earlier about you know kind of the uh, yeah. the gatekeeping discussion and a lot of a lot of veteran collectors, are kind of having that get off my lawn mentality when it comes to some to some new collectors, and I think again I agree with you, Corey. That's the wrong way to go about it. It's the new collectors who are helping us grow, and we sh- we as experienced collectors should be trying to mentor them or providing them with some good information and some uh, some alternatives to how to approach the hobby and learn from the mistakes that we've all made along the way, and not I saw. This one really bothered me. I saw a story post on Instagram about a week ago uh from an account that I follow and the this post basically said I'm t- something like and I'm going to I'm going to butcher it but the idea was I'm tired of all these new collectors talking about what cards are important from the 90s. Leave it to us who were here at the time to tell you what cards are important. I'm thinking to myself what a closed-minded approach. Like, like, why would you even post that? Just because you thought something was important in 1997 doesn't mean that that Johnny over here in 2023 still thinks it's important. Things change. Priorities change. A card yeah. that wasn't important in 97 might be important in 2023 or backwards or something else. If I think a card's important because I love the card, that's up to me. Just because you were collecting in the late 90s you know, you can tell me that back in the 90s, this card wasn't chased as heavily, but that doesn't mean that it's not, a, it can't be important today. So I don't know. And maybe, maybe you know, there, there's a whole discussion there, but it was, that was a gatekeeper type of story post that made me think, why would you demean a new collector
1: who likes a card that you didn't think was important? Right. And that, like, the, this is a, great example of like this card right and it's way overgraded it's not that crazy but like that jordan to me is the epitome of michael jordan i am going to jam this ball so far down your throat and i'm going to spread my legs right in your face and you're going to take it you're going to like it and you're going to just keep on about your day like i would put I actually have a literally full display of this of I think it's 20 it's like 19 of them. It's spelled the number 23. They're nothing crazy. If I posted on Instagram, "Oh, what what are those? I graded those. They're worth like 25 bucks." I don't care. Like I get it. They're overprinted. I like that card. Like to me, it, I I do wish there was like a parallel or something to just kind of, Differentiate it, like you know, a number or something, but they didn't do it then. So fair enough. Like this to me is more Jordan than the flying, like than the rookie card. I get that's a rookie card, but like this is the epitome of Jordan in to me. Now, if somebody else says the epitome to Jordan to them is a space jam card, awesome, cool. I got one of those too, where he's palming Marvin the Martian. Yeah no, yeah you know it, I'm as as as
0: you're talking and my mind is kind of you know going off in different directions based on this this talk about what's important and what isn't, and I'm wondering to myself you know, going back in time I remember some cards that I was chasing in 1991. Some of the first insert cards in Pinnacle Hockey were called these Pinnacle B cards, which now nobody shows them. Nobody you don't see them at this at the card shows. You rarely see them on Instagram. Uh they're, they're not important. They're not really important anymore, but they were very important back then. You know, and this is different than your Jordan example because, you know, you're you're talking about a fifth year Jordan, which is important to you because it epitomizes Michael Jordan, which I think is completely valid and you love the card. But as far as like at the time, what was the big chase card? What was everybody going for? And I can tell you, that, you know, contrary to this post that I'm talking about that I saw on Instagram, these Pinnacle B cards have kind of lost their importance. That said, I did trade one away at the expo and the, the buyer of the card, or the guy I traded with, he said, I remember chasing these in 1991. This was the biggest, this was the first true insert in hockey. The insert set with the first insert being the Stanley Cup hologram and pro set. But and he like, he was so happy to get the card. I had a, it was like a hundred bucks. You know, it it wasn't fifteen grand like a lot of the important cards from back then. So it's lost its importance generally, but it was still very important to him. I understood its significance, but the hobby doesn't care anymore. And that's kind of what I'm getting at is the hobby is entitled, generally speaking, not to care anymore about that card or to pick a different card that came out of that product or or a similar product and to say that that's now important. Nobody should be able to tell you what is important, what, what... especially if it's like a rare card because rare, rare and important kind of runs together a lot of times. So
1: yeah, yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent on that. Like again, I envy these guys who have these crazy collections that are value and they, they, you know, some of these cards are, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and stuff. But like, to me, some of them, I'm like, really like that card. But like, I would never say that, but no, but if I said that, they'd be like, Yeah, well it's a million dollars. I'd be like, Well, I don't care. Like that, like I don't care. It's ugly. Right. Yeah. It's <laughs> but that's it, the thing right. right there, too. You might it might be ugly
0: to you, but it's not ugly to them. Like, for example, there's a you know, I, I love my my 90s Jordan cards, but I don't love all of them. And there's one card that is like a super grail, it's that molten metal fusion card out of 40. It's got the gold version out of 250 as well. I don't think they're all that nice. But my Jordan friends love this card. It is a super grail. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'd rather have this or this or that because it's what you like yourself. So it's often, it's easy to get caught up in chasing the cards that everybody likes. But it's quite empowering when you realize or you're you're not causing yourself to chase a card that you're only chasing because everybody else is chasing it. And as we were talking about a bit earlier with some of the like attack type type of content out there. It's a lot of like group think and uh, misery loves company and, and that sort of mentality. Yeah. And that it, listen, our hobby is not the only subculture that contains those attitudes. It's in every Definitely. hobby and yeah. culture. I have <laughs> to think I'm not a part of all these, of other, other hobbies, but you know, it's just, it's Human just nature. the way life is. It's the way the world is now. So yeah. it's, and, and for those of us who, you know, prefer to just focus on what we love and go about and do our, do our thing in the hobby, whether it's collect or run a business or, or have a YouTube show, whatever it is uh, you know, we're entitled to do that and go on and maybe just not consume some of the stuff that, uh, that we don't want to consume because we, we love the hot. Everyone can approach the hobby and the card collecting the way they want. We can also approach uh, how we spend our time consuming content in the hobby and what we, what we are consuming. So that said, it's important to be aware and to be uh, informed on what's going on so you can avoid some of the pitfalls uh, of the hobby and pick yeah. your pick your channels carefully. 100%
1: and, th- and those things are like, you know, uh I don't know who commented it. it it the the price guiding stuff is fantastic, right? But there is not a YouTube video or YouTube channel a video of a price guide that will ever or not, not will ever, but will affect me. So I don't need it jammed down my throat with a you know thing that just says, well, oh, like ne- everyone negative falling. It's there for people who need it, which it should be, you know, the price up and downs and all that. But like me and Tim, it doesn't matter if all the cards go to zero. We don't have any cards that are like crazy grail and if they they were, we're we're not really like, it's too funny. This is kind of a story that goes back to and ties in the the expo. The last expo we went to, me and Tim drove together. Or no, it was a different show, but we are driving across the border. I've never had a problem driving across the border. Border agents ask you what you're doing, tell them what you got. Tim's never had it either. He usually goes with Eric. So we we get to the border, and the person's asking, "So what do you got? Uh, how many cards you got in those cases? Uh, what are they valued?" Of course, Tim can't just be—he's he, got it. Like, I, he's like, "Well, they're no value. I'm not selling them." And they're like, "Well, okay. If there's a, I get it, but like, what's the value?" And he's like, "I don't know. They're my cards. I'm not selling them." He's like telling this to the border agent. He's like refusing to give a price because he's like, "I'm not selling my cards." They pull us off, we'll search the whole car. I'm like, dude, just say like they're fucking ten dollars. Pardon my language, like, but say they're ten dollars each. Like this, whatever, make up a number. And he's just, but that's us collectors in a nutshell. Like at the, at the at the end of it all, like if somebody begging to tell us what their price is, we even if it's a border agent, we're not giving you a price because yeah. it's not for sale.
0: They're either priceless, like worth like hundreds of millions to us as individuals, (laughs) or they're worth zero. And both of those can be true at the same time because they're not for sale. There's no price on them. I'm going to go through some comments here. One of them ties in uh, here, right here from Matt. He says, if someone told me my Marc-Andre Fleury collection wasn't important, I'd laugh. Why would I care what someone else thinks about my collection? Money doesn't equal importance. I agree with that. But importance does often lead to being worth more money. It's just, just, you know, supply and demand uh, kind of thing. Uh, He also said here, growth mindset works to any collector's advantage. It's essential. And I do agree with that. Having that growth mindset is just a healthy way, I would say, to be. Perk here says, I agree on the 1990 Fleer Jordan. That was the first full box of basketball cards I ever ripped. And I'm proud to own that card in a PSA 10. Hobby Champ says uh, to Jeremy, I know you love that Stanley Cup hologram card out of 10,000. It still sells for $400 plus raw, low grade, crazy. It does. That card is actually, I feel like it's gone up in value or at least comps would tell us that as of uh, recent times. Uh, Sylvan is gone. Great to have you. And Perk goes on to say that Michael Jordan 90 Fleer is worth over 200 in PSA 10. How many real working people can afford to spend $200 on one sports card gets lost in the conversation all of the time. And that's actually like, that's an, that's a, I like this comment because we throw around these dollar figures on cards as if it's nothing. And I think even myself, I've gotten numb to some of this stuff. Like, like you walk around the expo and you look at the prices on cards and you're like, okay, so there's a vehicle there's my daughter's wedding, you know, there's a down payment on a house. And I've only looked at two rows in one showcase. And I'm already at like, you know, 500k worth of cards, like it's crazy. And the and these cards don't really have any utility except for, you know, personal enjoyment. They're not, we can't eat them, we can't wear them, we can't live in them. So, you know, there's they're really the value is based on nostalgia, sentiment and rarity, scarcity, these things. But it's true, 200 for one sports card is a is a lot of money for probably what ninety
1: percent of people in North America, maybe more. I'm not sure, but well, what's interesting to me is like I've done the same thing, and I walk around and I go, how in this possible, like like you said, a expensive car, a this rose a mansion, you know. To me, it it I I kind of look at the, and then I go to the next case. And I see the same car. So meaning the same card, but same price as a car. And I'm there is a part of me that thinks like this is a lot of people just like not well in the budge. And this whole thing could like it if everyone there's no way these cards are worth what they're stickered, obviously. Now there are sales to for some of them, but like how many Lucas can you have in a case? where everyone's 12,500 and this and that. And like, I, I just, th- there's a lot of funny money in scenarios and I just hope that it doesn't all like the rug doesn't get pulled out because that's my biggest fear is other circumstances in the world. But I do now, I know we're we've gone long and I just want to go into the fanatics thing quickly. Before I think,
0: okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. I, I do truly think that fanatics, while they say the numbers 10x and all that kind of stuff, it it's not. I, I've had discussions with some of the some of them, and here and just listening to Ruben talk and stuff. It's it's a slow grow. It's a slow build, right? And they they're doing this for a long term gain to get the guys who think that their achievement is that two hundred dollar card. Like that's fine. It's fine to achieve a two hundred dollar card. It's fine like I don't have I, I think the most expensive value card I have is maybe two thousand dollars. like I don't value like I don't search for cards because again, if you buy a card for ten thousand dollars, there is you have to have some kind of thought that this is going to be a financial gain or, or you're just crazy. Or you just don't have money.
0: I agree 100. I I always use the terminology if it, if the money is significant to you, you have to consider what you're taking it away from, and that you know you might want to consider it as an investment as well as a collectible. I think you can look at it both ways. Uh, you know, as far as you know, talked about the rug kind of getting pulled out from under us, I think I think that you know on some cards it's going to be pulled out because there's just too many of them and too many parallels and they're too expensive that, that it may not sustain, but this is where you have to be savvier. Maybe not, not I'm not talking anyone in particular, but just, you know, generally speaking, you kind of, you need to be savvy about it and think to yourself, what kind you know, if the rug does get pulled out from under us, what cards are going to maintain the most, the highest, you know, percentage of value uh, versus others. And that's where, you know, some some hobby experience and some just being savvy and understanding, you know, how how things work, like even general economics can come in very handy because these again, like I said before, the utility that is attached to our sports cards is limited to enjoyment. That's really all it is. Maybe bragging rights if you like if you like to do that, which you know that's yeah, why. you know, maybe like you know,
1: putting it on a them but like again, a, you a, can't quality like that. Yeah,
0: putting them on, on your slab chain. But again, we can't we can't eat them, we can't live in them, and we can't wear them. So uh no, well, I guess he, we can eat them, but you're not gonna
1: so, get much nutrition out of that. So uh, one I interesting to part real quick.
0: quick.
2: We're, we're, go
0: ahead. I just want
1: to go I, I I know you hit step around. I just wanted to before we wrap that last part up. I, what had me thinking when you just said the rug pool because there's so many. The one thing that that doesn't really get talked about that's an interesting kind of study that I because I see a lot of trading right, a lot of value trade and this kind of stuff. So like maybe what does really help it is say you have a ten thousand dollar Luca right, and who knows what the real value of that is. Some guy trades you five cards that are worth eight grand and a couple thousand bucks, right? So then you have all these cards spread out. Well, that guy may have pulled one or two, so he's not into it. Like, So that's where it kind of can trickle down. The tri- That's one thing that, that doesn't really exist in any other place is trade. Like trade is such a big deal where you can get, you know, if you have 15,000 on a card, you'll take, you know, 7,000 in trade or, or you know, 7,000 in trade and... To 7,000 or 8,000 in cash, but really that, that, ca- that 7,000 in trade, that guy only had 4,000 into it. Right. So that's where the money kind of makes itself up in a way. Yeah. So, I mean, that's an interesting kind yeah. of study. Well,
0: that's, that's, that's a good point for sure. Uh, okay. So Eastridge here, Mike says, I love it when people come into the store and get excited to buying one to $5 cards. Yeah, I can definitely uh understand that, Mike. And uh good, obviously always good to see you. Essential credentials says money equals fun coupons. Uh hobby champs, there's safety in sticking to sub 1000 dollars cards. Cards AH says a good portion of value in our cards is the in the mar- Sorry, a good portion of value in our cards in the market is speculators and resellers. If they all dropped out of the market. We would see the true value of our collection. So I just want to address this. I I, I look at this in two ways. I'm sure I'm missing some ways. But one, when I think about speculators and resellers, I think oftentimes they are buying cards at whatever, 70% of comps, let's say. So if they're not out there buying them at 70, those card owners might get 90 or 100% of comps or maybe 110 or 20, because obviously cards do go up in value. So that might not be the worst thing. Where I think it's most impactful based on this comment where we're talking about speculators and resellers, is on ultra modern cards. And when I talked earlier about being savvy, trust me when I say, if you're only out there buying, in my opinion, if you're only out there buying ultra modern cards, you are not being savvy. There's just too much risk associated with it, in my opinion. So, uh, so I mean, if, if the resellers and the speculators are gonna leave the hobby and get out of the ultra modern, that might be the best thing to happen to the hobby right there. And again, I have nothing against resellers or speculators. But if they're going to get out, maybe we'll see less collateral damage done from people who are getting caught up in the hype and buying into the, the flavor of the month rookie in each sport every year. They don't always all make it. Some of them certainly do, though. Uh, okay, thank you, Cards AH. Uh, Essential Credentials says, I agree with the Ridge Takes us back to, to the core of us loving collecting as kids. Mike says, I wish more people would just get excited to buy cards they like, no matter the value. And you know what? It's funny because I picked up some cheap cards at the expo and I just love them. Like I I love them as much as I love an expensive card. So I it still happens, but you know, if you're watching, if you're if you're consuming content on Instagram, a lot of time it's about the bling versus just enjoying the cards themselves. And hey, if, if you're if you're Corey, that's good because you sell, you sell a slab chain that you can actually wear. We cartling. do, but,
1: but more importantly, like that comment, it, you know, I wish people, I think there is, I think there are a lot of people that buy cards just because they're excited about them. I just don't think they're highlighted. Like our business, as far as, you know, slab displays and stuff is, is not seen any downtick on values. Why? Because people are forced to hold. Or they need to or or they're kind of just sitting back like in a wait period and they're like, Oh, I kind of like these cards, or maybe they're they're finishing a set. And I don't I'm not saying that his you know comment is wrong. He wishes he's see more or more people would get excited. I would just caveat that with saying, I think there are people getting more excited, we just don't see it.
0: Yeah, because I agree. There the are scores I-
1: are nuts.
0: I saw it. I saw it at the Expo, whether it was at my booth, whether it was guys at my booth coming to show me and the people in my booth, the cards they got and the the joy in their faces at what they acquired for their personal collections. Like I saw tons of that this last weekend at Expo, and I can't wait to see more of it next weekend at the Edmonton Expo. Hobby Champ says uh, most, but not all, but most ultra-modern has nowhere to go but down. And of course, there are going to be exceptions in every year and every product Like there are going to be some hidden gems or maybe not, maybe some unhidden gems, but there's always going to be some good cards, but that's where you have to be savvy and don't just get on the train of who's the flavor of the month rookie. Literally just because you have one good game doesn't mean that doesn't mean and your cards go up that day. I mean, that's not savvy if you're the buyer on that day. Yeah. All right.
1: You should also be the seller on that day.
0: That's, that's the more savvy play. It's hard to be that it's hard to sell when you see everything going up. If that, if it was so easy, I would have sold my whole collection in March of 2021 and bought it back over the past few months. That would have been genius, but I'm not smart enough to have done that. So, and I'm also pretty attached to my cards. So yeah, let's it's be tough. Honest. You it's know?
1: It's... To... Right. It ain't the money. It's the cards.
0: All right. Let's wrap this up, Corey. Yeah. Uh, Thank you so much, dude. It's been a really fun conversation. I want to thank Leighton Sheldon for joining us earlier. I feel like we've covered a lot tonight, man. So uh, again, yeah. thank you for uh, thank you for what you do for the hobby, for your sharing your experience here tonight. And you're 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 one of these. You're, you're a hardworking guy. You're out there, you know, grinding away, doing your running your business, try, growing it up. So show your slabs, everybody. Give uh, give show your slabs some love. Make sure you're following Corey on Instagram. I'll put on the ticker right now, uh, simply at showyourslabs, showyourslabs.com. Check it out. You can get one of these. If you have a nameplate, you can get one of those. Just like right there. That's a full nameplate, nine letters. It sits above my closet. Corey also uh, outfitted me with one of these nice displays. So I don't want my cards to fall out of it. But there you go. because um, and, and they they do fit tag slabs. I was going to so say, they
1: know. fall out. You must have not peeled the gel off. I didn't feel I
0: I didn't peel the gel okay, off. I, yeah. I, need, I need to take these out to take them to Edmonton, at least the, the ones on the bottom. So yeah. Take
1: the whole display. We need to we need to upgrade on card show displays too. So that's coming. There you soon.
0: go. There you go. Thank you, Eric Stefano. Appreciate that. Thank you, everybody, for joining. I will be back tomorrow night at 9:30 Eastern with Josh Madigan from the Hockey Cards Gong Show. I think his partner in crime over there, Troy Iverson, might be joining us as well if he's available. We're going to be covering the, there's like 425 or so hockey cards going off on the PWCC Weekly. I picked out about 35 of them that I want to take a look at. So come hang out with us tomorrow night here on the channel. Uh, There's no after hours tonight, Mark. Thank you, Hobby Champs. Good to see you. Good follow on on Twitter, everybody. Hobby Champs. Check it out. All right, man. Well, listen, I think that's all I got for tonight. So uh, thanks again, Corey. Thank you, everybody else out there. Corey, hang tight. But for the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. If not, have a great week ahead. And uh, hopefully the Oilers can hold on and take this game tonight and win against the Kings in six if you want them to. If you are Amanda, go Kings for you. All right, everybody. Yep. Corey. Buy what you like. This episode is over.
2: Thanks.